Morning. I'm Anita Horgarth. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. Not her wart. I'm I'm the wart. She's my tumor. My my growth. My uh, my pimple. I'm Uncle Wart. Just old Buck Wart Russell. That's what they call me. Or uh, melanoma head. They'll call me that. Melanoma head's coming. Uh, uncle. Maisie Russell's uncle. I'm her uncle. <laughs> her uh, her mother uh, set up this conference with you. I'm assistant principal here, as you've probably noticed from the indications on the door. I've been an educator for 31.3 years, and in that time, I've seen a lot of bad eggs. I say eggs because at the elementary level, we are not dealing with fully developed individuals. I see a bad egg when I look at your niece. She is a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart. She is a jabber box. And frankly, I don't think she takes a thing in her life or her career as a student seriously. She's only six. That is not a valid excuse. I hear that every day and I dismiss it. I don't think I want to know a six-year-old who isn't a dreamer or a silly heart. And I sure don't want to know one who takes their student career seriously. I don't have a college degree. I don't even have a job. But I know a good kid when I see one. Because they're all good kids. Until dried out, brain dead skags like you drag them down and convince them they're no good. You so much as scowl at my niece or any other kid in this school and I hear about it and I'm coming looking for you. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, madam. Is the definitive John Candy film with the possible exception of planes, trains, and automobiles, which you have still not watched. Are we starting this this early? I'm not starting anything. I'm just noting that you have yet to watch planes, trains, and automobiles, despite the fact that somebody whose name rhymes with Aaron Allen sat in the studio and said, I'm going to watch planes, trains, and automobiles this weekend. Maybe Isn't I will it? this weekend. I probably you're going to be in Bremerton this I'm going to be in Bremerton. My parents had, like, some deluxe cable package. You're going to be in Bremerton throwing milkshakes at the elderly? It's true. Breaking the collarbones of the infirm? No, my friends all, like, have had babies and procreate. It's nice to go there and pretend to care about the children. <laughs> See, do you, now, when you go back to Bremerton, do you find old friends? I have one old, well, my friend Tanea is, um... She's, yeah, she moved back there, so we'll usually go out. We, she's my friend that I drink 40s with outside of the bar. <laughs> of course. Of course you do, Sarah. It's our tradition, so we'll go, we'll go to the bar. Not, it's a Bremerton not so much, tradition. Not so much go into the bar as we do buy 40s and drink them outside of the bar in the car. Fantastic. And then go in. It's a tradition as old as the city itself. That's great. And then my other friend who lives there was knocked up by a mariner. Wait, not, a, not it, a boating guy. I was going to say a mariner or a mariner. And a baseball player. <laughs> and so she has, so then she has a baby with that guy. Okay. They all have kids. Well, that's wonderful. Bremerton, the city of nothing. 
Well, hello. It's, uh, I'm doing none of those things. I'm just not, but I'm not even leaving the house this weekend. So you still got one up on me because at least you're going somewhere. Uh, Are you at least ride your bike? No. Well, every day, look, I don't want to start it. I don't want to start a whole excuse-making thing because it sounds like I'm just rationalizing and justifying. Uh-huh. It should be noted I have ridden my bicycle almost half the half the time period. Oh, so today? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, of course not. Seamus actually. Almost half the time. It's like 42%, 43%, something like that. Which, I suppose, is another way of saying that I failed to ride more than half the time. Seamus is pretty great. You would think after a while he would stop updating his blog because I haven't ridden my bike in like 40 years now. But he actually does find something new and pithy to say every day. I think yesterday's was, does Rick even have feet? So if you go to, um, and this is a, a non-CBS endorsed website, I'm simply saying, you want to go to uh, emersonchallenge.blogspot.com. Uh, you can keep track of the Emerson uh, bicycling uh, challenge there where I have ridden, I believe, 43% of the time. I have raised $937 for the retarded. I have failed to raise. I have. I have how much money have you screwed them out of? $1,290. Oh. <laughs> uh, you just have to laugh, don't you? All right. Well, next week I turn over a new leaf. Oh, Monday. Yeah. That's not really true. It didn't happen today, I'll give you that. Anywho. Well, Monday, I might actually, it's just, it's like every day there's been something, like yesterday was Laura in the airport. Today, it's the um, the project which cannot be named at the direction of CBS, which I cannot discuss or talk about or refer to or direct the purchase of in any way, which I think I may have to pick up today. I don't know that that's true or not. I don't know. I haven't heard yet. But I think that I think that the mystery project may be done, and i got to go pick that up, and that's not going to fit in the back of my bicycle. The mystery um, project that you have maybe yes, talked to me about? You, yeah, you know that mystery project. How exciting. Maybe. Congratulations. Thank you. Either today, tomorrow, I think, I think it might be today. But Monday, I mean, who could, because, you know, God bless her, but I'm going to uh, I'm gonna tell my shrink to get bent. So, uh, so on Monday, I won't have anywhere to drive to. So Monday, I believe I may be bicycling. Anywho, hey, it's 7 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour 11 and this the month of August in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Also joining us in the studio today is Sarah's dog, Muppet. He's kind of grunting. Can you hear That's pretty great. <laughs> Does that? he speak? Oh, he Let's barked. just torment everybody in the audience who has a child by telling them what it sounds yes. like when Let's we have to listen to their children do something. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is adorable. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, That's like just a like hearing program? your baby gurgle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Muppet, right. yeah, Muppet's coming to visit the... God, you know what my parents call him? Come on. Muppers? Their grand puppy. Uh, you know why? Because they've just written off you ever having children. That's what that's all about. Yep. They know that a fur-covered canine is the closest they're going to ever get to having grandchildren. Is now, if I may ask this, now is your sister going to have kids? I think so. All right. She seems sort of like the kid she's, having She's a little kind. more maternal. A little bit, but like that. All right. So with you, though, they just know there's spinster written all over you? I know. Fantastic. All right. depressing. Uh, the key is to push Heather to have lots and lots of children to totally compensate for it. That's the thing. It's like my other siblings have had so many kids, I am my mom didn't even care. <laughs> my mom, I could, my testicles could be taken off in an industrial accident tomorrow. My mom wouldn't even care at all. Doesn't matter. She's she's totally got it. It's satiated through all of the other kids. So you push Heather to start reproducing now, and every child she pushes out of her body gets you one step further away but from getting that pressure. I don't want her to reproduce. I know way too many people who are reproducing as it is. Yeah, I'm just saying, as far as reducing the pressure on you, that's the only real thing you could. Or tell them that you have adopted a child in Africa in their name. 
That's what you should do. Get a, get a, Didn't a you lie and say that you did that for somebody? I would never do that. I would say, however, theoretically speaking, not that I would ever do this, but theoretically speaking, if you do want to get out of giving Christmas presents to, to your family, you just tell that you find a picture of a small African child and you just oh. say, look, I have given $50 in your name to Hajib who lives in a small mud hole. Who's you know? And it's I mean, what are they going to do? They can't. What are they going to be angry about it? In no way can they do. I mean, what, they they can't protest against that. I wouldn't recommend that you do. That it would be wrong. So you take pictures right. of small black children and give them to people? Yes, that's what I do for Christmas. Merry Christmas. Here's a picture of Emmanuel Lewis. Uh, let's move on, shall we? It's Friday, and it is day 12. It's 503-733-2970. You want to join us on the Rick Emerson Radio Program today with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you. It is 503-733-2970. Uh, taking your calls today at 503-733-2970 on the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Uh, you may also email me like it's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Scotty J at 970.am. And again, our uh, phone calls are 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up today, do I have the CNN sheet? I don't think I have that. Do I? I don't think anybody gave me the CNN prep sheet today. I have no idea what we're doing. Completely without... Oh, I think it's... I have it. Ground. All right. Is it over here? There you go. Coming up today, we have a CNN radio correspondent, Lisa Goddard, who's going to join us. Here's the sole reason that, that, uh, that we're going to talk to Lisa Goddard today. This is from uh, our friend Aram, who passed this along. The sole reason we are talking to Lisa Goddard today, because she, of course, is talking about everybody's favorite I'm not gay senator, simply so I can use this joke. I'm not going to pretend that this is original. I'm not going to. And you're going to hear this joke again in like 20 minutes when we talk to her. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to pass this along so you don't think this is my own wit. Hey, Lisa, is it true that the first thing Senator Craig said to reporters at his press conference was, thanks for coming out today? Ah. It's not that funny, I guess. But I'm going to use it regardless. Uh, Jim Rube will be talking to us today about Cal California continuing to screw the rest of the country, now consuming so much power in California that they're threatening to cause brownouts in the rest of the country. Thanks. Thanks so much for that. Uh, you insert your own joke about brown out, brown in right there. Uh, Steve Castamon will be joining us as well to talk about Americans, read Scotty J, and their massive amounts of consumer credit card debt. Uh, Scott Daly will be here from Film Fever Radio later on in today's program. I believe he's going to be bringing his own top five with him today. I believe Film Fever Radio has compiled a list of the top five Western films. Uh, top five Western films, according to FilmFeverRadio.com. We'll be doing that. We have a Queensryche giveaway. We actually have two. We got two copies of this. It's actually more than that. We actually have nine copies of this Queensryche thing. Uh, yesterday, we failed to give away the two-CD collector's edition of Sign of the Times, the best of Queensryche. That one yesterday, we tried to give it away, and there really there were some pathetic, if hilarious, attempts uh, to guess the Queensryche trivia. So we're going to have to do two copies of that today, and today we will be giving those away via Scotty J's Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics. So another exciting edition of everybody's favorite uh, bit, Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics with Scotty J. Uh, that'll be coming up later on today for Sign of the Times, the Best of Queensryche 2-CD Collector's Edition. Promotional consideration provided by Capital EMI. Uh, also, at the end of business, or COB, as they say here at CBS, at the close of business today, uh, they're going to be giving away seven copies. Uh, seven copies to seven random bastards uh, to win the uh, single uh, disc edition of A Sign of the Times, The Best of Queen's Rack. So if you are not a glorious bastard, you got to do it now. The clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. 970.am. 970.am. So uh, sign up for that. What else? 
I guess that's it. Lisa Goddard, Jim Roop, Steve Kastam. I'm Queen's Right Giveaway. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Oh, and we'll be doing the uh, top five songs. We just spun the wheel of time this morning. Top five songs from today in 1987. Top five songs from this week 20 years ago. So for no readily apparent reason. Top five songs from this week 20 years back. Uh, we will be doing that uh, later on. And again, your uh, emails, your phone calls, Cannibal Watch coming up today. It's all very exciting. It's 503-733-2970. Join today's Are We Always by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. Hello. Anyway, so now is Muppet, oh, because so Muppet, you're going right from here to Bremerton. That's yeah. why the dog is here. All right. That okay. is why. I know my mom was kind of confused why I had him with me. Fantastic. But, hello, yeah, every minute matters. I know, and you love the Muppet. Well, I mean, it, it, it's I can't bring my own dog here because he's too ill-behaved. There's no, I mean, he, Max only has two modes. He is sort of like a manic depressive child. I mean, he either is just laying around with his tongue hanging out of his head doing anything in particular, or he's finding some sort of item in the house that uh, and just shredding it into the smallest possible pieces and then evenly distributing the pieces all through the... I mean, I, I know I'm going to go home today and things that like you would never even... Look, I understand, and I don't mean to be talking about dog stories again because we fall into this a lot. I'm just going to say... I understand if there's, like, a paper towel that, like, was used to, like, hold a piece of pizza or something. I apologize for scratching my nose. I've got, like, a nose hair, I think, that needs Ew. to be trimmed. I'm just saying. Um, I understand if there's if there's something that wants held food in it. If there's, like, a, like an old Trisket box or something. Something that maybe still has the smell of food on it. And that's why he, you know, he chews it apart into small pieces, thinking that at some point hidden inside he's going to find a piece of food. The thing I don't understand with Max is it's not just the chewing on, like, boxer shorts and and socks, it's, it, it, you'll find things that you... Like, I can't even conceive of the pleasure of chewing them apart, like ballpoint pens, which doesn't make any sense at all. And then you walk in, and he's got this sort of the weird black ink beard going on, and he just looks retarded. And why would you sit there and chew up a ballpoint pen? M- Muppet ate a paper plate the other day. That's what I'm saying. Dogs just, I mean, I, God love them, but they just have the tiniest brains. Really. I mean, unimaginably tiny. I mean, they're like people from Ohio. They just they can barely process, like, the vaguest rudiments of information. Uh, Scotty J in for Tim Riley today. Hello, Scotty J. Well, good morning, Moppin. That's in uh, honor of Muppet there. That's because uh, they both I start with an Muppet. M. Thank you, Scotty. That was very nice. Moppin, Muppet, get it? Scotty said the greatest thing to me this morning. We were back in, the, uh, in Scotty's news tank there. And... I said, hey, so let's uh, just spin the wheel of time today and do a random top five from 20 years ago this week. And he said, well, when did I? I said, well, you know, be August, whatever, August 31st. I think the actual chart is August 22nd because they do the charts. Yeah, they do the charts once a week. So I said, well, let's do the, the, you know, the top five from this week back in 1987. And Scotty said, boy, you know, those, those were the days. That's back when life was easy. And I said, and I just kind of went, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, you know, back in 1987, life was easy. I mean, you only had to work a couple hours a day. You could drink the rest of the time. And then he just sort of lapsed into his stupor, probably pondering how that really hasn't changed at all for him. I mean, really, in what ways is your life different than, than that, Scotty? Someone else is paying most of your bills. You work like four hours a day. You spend the rest of your time drunk. <laughs> Wow. I mean, you're really ma- you're making slave <laughs> really here. In perspective. You're, you're, you have. you're making slave wages. You've got all your hair. <laughs> your life hasn't changed at all. Really, it is still 1987 right, for you in every way. It's starting to gray, I noticed the other is day. Is your hair going gray, it just, really? It just started. Where? Let me see. It Hold must on. be this show. Point it out. Where have you got gray hair? <laughs> you yeah. didn't use Just for Men, Scotty? I'm going to have to break out some uh, Just for Men sauce. Now, do you I color guess. your hair? Just for Men sauce? Did you really say that? <laughs> 
break out some just for men sauce, won't you please? Whip me up a batch. Uh, yeah. You're so um, creepy. That's the best thing you've ever said. That's fantastic. That's just like when you said that Michael Hutchins didn't choke on he didn't choke on vomit, he choked on his own chicken. I'll never reveal with, the with, true meaning behind with that. Whip me up some just for men sauce. Um, do you color your hair? Is that your natural hair color? You know, a couple of years ago, I uh, when I was kind of goatee. You strike me as a guy who would get your hair, what is it called, frosted or tipped yeah. or whatever? Uh, it looks frosted. like you frost your hair. I did that once, like when I was uh, 18 or 19. Is that your actual hair color? Yes. Right there. But the, the deal is, when I was goateeing it up for a couple of years, I had to just ferment that. But I, I never, ever thought it would spread like dye a your, disease into my hair. Did you dye your beard? Yes, I do. How do you do that? How do you, how do you color your beard? Do you brush it on, or well, something? Well, you I never did. Yeah, that. you basically just brush it on and and uh, watch TV for five minutes. Because back when I had, you know, like I would have the uh, what most people call a, call a goatee, but it's a Van Dyke, uh, that thing that just goes around your around your mouth and on your, the, the Affleck. So you don't have the mustache part? Yeah, no, no, no. When oh, it goes, okay. no, a goatee is just what Maynard G. Krebs had. Oh, I thought a goatee was no, always see, a round every, everybody, circle. Now, see, right? everybody calls that a goatee, but that's wrong. A goatee is just on your chin, like when you have uh, okay. a tuft of hair just like on your chin. Exactly. <laughs> Like just underneath your lip, I think is the soul patch. Just on the edge, on the end of your chin, rather, with no no mustache, no around the mouth, no whatever. That is a that is a goatee. What James Hetfield has, what Ben Affleck has in most of his movies, that is a Van Dyke. So when I had that, I had gray hair uh, in that, and I have gray hair in my sideburns, but I don't color it because it just seems weird. It seems painting your uh, just painting your face, painting the hair on your face just seems kind of odd. Have you ever had just a mustache? Yes, that oh. was. That was oh. I have to see oh, a picture of that. When again. I was in the in the the band, uh, Vital you, Signs, yes, I had a mustache. Was there a mustache it, rule? It, it was kind of funny because I look like I'm 13 with a, a pasted on mustache. I, you know, just picturing you with a mustache is just. <laughs> You know, and I mean, gold. it really is horrifying, but it's just so, so, so perfect. Scotty, so how come you're denying us a mustache? Pictures, mustache pictures. You got to get me a mustache picture. No, you got to grow one. I know oh, we're no spending. Way. Oh, That's please, so out. please, no, seriously, will you grow a mustache? No, I'll it's give you out. A, I'll give you a dollar it's not a day. Out. I can show you pictures. I'm going to need great, big, huge, round, mirrored sunglasses to, to go with. Seriously, that. here's what you have to do: grow a mustache, begin wearing a naga hide jacket. <laughs> Aviator shades, and everybody, okay, and Kevin Smith fans of the house will get with me on this. If you are, especially if you are a Chasing Amy fan, uh, you got to, you, you will absolutely know what I'm talking about. Scotty, if you had a mustache, you become, this is so perfect, and I know that this is a niche reference, but that's what we do here. We're, I guess we're not five percenters. I, I, I guess that would make us something else. Um, we're, this is sort of a ten percent joke. Scotty with a mustache is Scott Mosier as... You're a tracer. He's that guy. He's the angry <laughs> tracing fan uh, in Chasing Amy. If you had a mustache, you'd become him. I'll show you a picture of the guy I'm talking about. You will know that it's true. Seriously, I'll give you. I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you two dollars a day, every day that you. Every day that you have a full mustache. <laughs> yeah, so like. Ten years later, I, I have one you. down to the floor. Right? Seriously, I will pay you to grow a mustache. Is, is there a non-shaving genius <laughs> clause in there? All right. Uh, 
right. You can trim the stash. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you don't have to do no. like the fumant, like the big handlebar mustache. The P.T. Barnum, way at like nine. You know, I know a guy who has one of those, who has one of those Guinness Book of World Records where he like, he has one of those Salvador Dali mustaches where it just comes out to like eight inches to a side and he has to wax it. It's actually kind of cool. All right, Scotty J is working on the following stories for your edification today. Well, good news if you're in Iowa and you're gay. <laughs> Labor Day weekend got off to a deadly start already in automobile accidents. Great. Uh, 7-Eleven now, uh, not only can you buy wine, but they're serving up uh, beatings. A tragic accident happens in Hillsborough. This is just gruesome news today. However, um, somebody is starring on uh, Ugly Betty, and I Beckham, you can't guess who. You Beckham? That's right. Did you really just say that? Yes, I did. Okay. Did you hear that he can't play for another, like, four months? Oh, jeez. He, he, he messed up his leg again. <laughs> so now his ankle, he missed, like, the first five games uh, because of his ankle, and now he's done something to his knee. And now it's going to be, like, another 90 days before he can play. Good investment, Galaxy. Well done. All right. Uh, well, let's just do these uh, phone calls, and then we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll th- we have to do a few other things, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program on this exciting Friday. How might I help you? Uh, Rick, it seems to me, maybe I'm mistaken, but that picture that you had posted on your website uh, of Scotty J with the uh, photoshopped sombrero yes. wearing his underwear, Yeah, I believe he had a mustache in that picture. Is that true? I've tried never to look at that again, so I can't really speak to that. I believe so. All right. How old are you in that photo? I think it was... 17 or 18. Oh, so it's actually child porn of Scotty J. That's disgusting. Probably 18. Damn. I might have been 18 or 19. Sure. Or Doesn't matter. All right, here Old it is. enough. Hi. Hello. Hey, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I was going to tell you Scotty could grow a Van Dyke, and then in the studio he could shave off the beard part and have the bushy mustache for you. Oh, there you go, Scotty. <laughs> so get a Van Dyke, and then just shave part of it here. We'll get some pictures of you with the full-on porn mustache, and, and then, then we'll off it goes. Yeah. yeah. So just, you know, it's part of your transformation into William H. Macy, which is inevitable. <laughs> and then you, I don't see the correlation there at all. Yeah, I know. And then he could, you know, slowly trim down the sides with the, for the little Hitler mustache. You know, that's always fun to do. Okay. Thank you. Bye now. Yeah, Scotty's mustache in this is really creepy because it's smaller than his mouth. And the glasses are bigger than my face. I have to come look. Hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, i got to give you guys credit. Um, You're doing really well without Tim. I mean, I know you've done this for years, Rick, but Tim is just such a classic counterweight to, to, you know, the tangents y'all would usually go on, but the the show still sounds great. Well, you know, it's it's, it's not not that it's a bad show uh, without Tim as such. It's a different kind of show. If you listen to yesterday... A little bit unstructured, but it's fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's like our holiday show. Speaking of which, we will be, of course, here on Monday. Of course. uh, Because Rick Emerson cares uh, and because he flogs the rest to the staff mercilessly to keep up his lifeless existence. Um, so we will be here Monday. And like the holiday shows. Holiday shows aren't bad, but they are sort of cut from a different cloth. They are sort of different. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a different flavor of show uh, okay. without Tim. Can I throw something into the pop culture machine in terms of Scotty's graying hair? And then sure. I'll take my comment off the air. Uh-huh. The old Grecian formula commercial. Oh, yeah. Bob, there's something about Have you lost weight, Bob? And it's like Bob had gray hair, and then the next day he looks like the Fonz. Oh, yeah. Hey, somebody said it was Friday, y'all. Peace.
All right, D- didn't Joe Namath do something for some kind of hair something? Maybe. Okay. He right. might have done. He might have done the, the Grecian formula, which I don't think they sell anymore. And I don't even know what that stuff is. Maybe he did that. The Grecian formula is sort of weird. I don't. Do they even sell that anymore? Grecian. It just sounds greasy. Yeah. The name. How did ever? I, and I guess they were so. trying to sort of play off the you know the image of the Greek man as having the full head of very lustrous hair and so forth. But the Grecian formula. It's kind of a mystery now that I think about it, because the whole appeal of Grecian formula was that it, it um, if you were, uh, if you if you had gray hair, it would turn your hair back to the black color. I don't think it worked if you. Okay, now now this is kind of weirding me out, because what did it only work if your hair was black to begin with? Because didn't it turn your hair black? But the deal was that it worked gradually over time, because the whole hook of the Grecian formula commercials, which I don't think you remember, Sarah, Mm-mm. Grecian formula was a hair coloring product for men, and the hook was that it didn't happen overnight; it happened over two weeks, and that people at the office would not notice that the you know, and it was always right. like some chick with big cans at the front desk going, "Bob, you look, have you lost weight? You are you taller?" <laughs> and it's just that Bob's hair was like white last week, and then like now it was it was like jet black, um, and that this somehow happened really gradually but but it would I think that might have only worked if your hair was black to begin with because if your hair was like gray to begin with but then it was you were supposed to be brown but then it went black that's just going to be bad well the deal is the the guys in the commercials usually had brown hair so I don't even know I don't know how it works yeah I got nothing uh all right well I don't know I don't know that I have time to uh Time to talk about anything else here. Oh, except to say that I don't know. Scott Daly's going to be reviewing some film that I've never heard of. Later What's it called? Like Yuma 310. Anybody know what that is? Nope. Yuma 310. He's not reviewing Halloween, the new Halloween, which is all I really care about, even though I've heard that it's crap. I've heard, Actually, to be fair, I've heard mixed reviews. Um, Mailman Chris liked it a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know. The conventional wisdom is that it's not that great. Though there was a sneak preview last night. So if anybody saw the sneak preview of Halloween last night, uh, or if you have perhaps not that I advocate this, but if you have perhaps seen the new Halloween film through other means, because I know that uh, it exists elsewhere uh, and has for a few weeks now, and I and I have on it really straight up, I have not watched it. I haven't seen it. I haven't looked for it online. I haven't done anything like that. Um, but if anybody has seen the new Halloween film by Rob Zombie, uh, I want to know what that's like. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the first Halloween movie came out in 78. Yes, it did. And so. I believe it only cost them $325,000 to produce that movie. Uh, very well done. And it was, at that time, uh, the highest grossing independent film ever made. I believe until Pulp Fiction. I might be wrong about that. About the movie that broke its record. But it was, at the time, the highest grossing indie film of all time. And still one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Ever, ever. The original? The original, the original Halloween, yeah. Maybe because you were young when you first saw it. No, it, it, well, I, I don't know that it's that I was young as such. It's because, it's not that I was young as such. It's that um, when I saw it, the slasher, it hadn't yet become a cliché. Because John Carpenter, I mean, name a slasher film before that one. Well, uh, the I mean, Texas there was just... Chainsaw Massacre ones uh, totally kind of creeped me out a little bit, and also that Grizzly Bear one where they just completely ripped campers apart right in their oh, camp. Oh, that, that movie just called Grizzly? Yes. Yeah. No, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is to this day the most horrifying. It's the perfect horror film, but, but Halloween is the definitive slasher film. It really is. Uh, and he created a whole genre with that, because I think that was even before the first Friday the 13th. Um, and there's so many things in, in Halloween that have become a cliche now, uh, but that he created. And there, I will tell you this, and that we have to break, so we're so late, but I, I will say this. The one sequence in the original Halloween that terrifies me to this day, and always has, there is just that sequence of the little boy Tommy looking out the window, 
across the street, and he just sees from far away the silhouette, because it's so dark, he sees the silhouette of Michael Myers carrying the dead body up the front porch into the house. And it's just from far away, and you can just see it black against the white of the porch. I mean, that's just... I mean, it just gives me chills even thinking about it now. Just a terrifying film. Uh, all right. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Lisa Goddard next. Stay right It's the Rick Emerson radio program. I've read a couple uh, Halloween reviews have come in. So we'll read those here in just a, uh, just a skosh, as they say. Sherry Moon. Who's Sherry Moon? Do we know who that is? She's apparently in the new Halloween. She says, um... Please make Scotty grow a mustache. Also, Halloween, the new one, is nowhere near as good as the original, but Sherry Moon is beyond hot as balls. See it on DVD. All right. Well, I may watch it in the comfort of my home. All right, it's 503-733-297. Oh, I think Sherry Moon's his... Is that his wife? Is that baby from... Oh, really? Is that is that Rob Zombie's wife? That yep, weird-looking blonde girl? Yeah, that girl. Yeah, no, she is hot in a weird kind of way. She is. That I really. What is that? House of a Thousand Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. Which I didn't really care for, but I mean, I give him points for for style with that. I like that movie a lot. It was really weird. Uh, I never saw. I never saw the Devil's Rejects. Bring on the scorn, everybody! Just sharpen your pitchforks. Uh, maybe I'll do that. Maybe, you know, I hesitate to even start talking about this because then it just is the sort of thing that takes over the show. But since my wife is gone for two weeks, maybe. Because Lord knows I don't want to spend the time actually, you know, like taking care of work and getting things, you know, ready for my trip to London. Why not just spend it sitting around the house watching, uh, watching cheap horror films and porn? Uh, I never have seen The Devil's Rejects, so I, I know I got to do that at some point. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for coming along. I would like you to know that all notes about today's uh, program are being made using the Uniball Signo two zero seven, which is my new pen of choice. Thank you, Dave Zinn. Let's welcome now to the Rick from the hill. Why, hello, Lisa Goddard. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am dandy. I'm fantastic. I'm wonderful. I'm all things great. Wow, that's, I'm delighted to hear it. You know why that is? I don't know why that is. It is because I have a new pen. At long last, I am now, because, you know, I was using the Pilot V5 Ultrafine Sharpie for the, I mean, literally for decade. Not, a, well, not decades. Decade. Uh, up until, let's say, this is 2007. They quit making it about a year ago. So I would say... There's a good solid 13 years where I was using the Pilot V5. And that was my pen of choice. It was the pen that I used. It was the pen that was my, 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 it was my Guardo Camino. It was my, uh, my, my companion through the high times, the low times, all the times in between. It was actually so precious to me that I would buy them in huge cases, and then I would sometimes meticulously label each pen with my name so that it would stay in my office. That's how much I loved the Pilot V5. <laughs> wow, I'm happy for, for everyone. Yes, so... I'm picking up on your sarcasm. Um, so the anyway, they quit making it though, and then they tried to put out this thing that sort of is supposed to take its place, but it's not the same. They've altered it. So I've been using drifting from one pen uh, to another to another, uh, like a man searching for a new soulmate. And I've been able to, unable to find a pen that really worked. And now I have uh, discovered the Uniball Signo 207, uh, which I'm a big fan of. And I think this is going to be the new pen for me. I think it's going to be the pen for anybody who values oh, the sanctity of the individual. No, I really can't recommend this pen strongly enough. It's got a good grip, comfortable in your hand, doesn't fatigue after even a long time writing. Has an, and I'm a, uh, let me just say this. The, the most important thing that a pen can have is the ability to write cleanly in a small space. That's the problem with some of those pens that have too wide of a point, is that if you're trying to write... Um, like in your Franklin planner or something, and if you're having to write in a little small space, then the ink 
bleeds when it hits the page, and then uh, and then the words become all fuzzy and indistinct. Not so with this pen. I'm a big believer. I hate that when it's fuzzy and indistinct. I get that all the time in my day job. I don't want that in a pen. I'm sorry. I, I really is it Does it seem like even more so than normal this week? You've just called up trying to share news and to talk about actual happenings in the world of politics and beyond. And you're just having to listen to a bunch of my weird manic stage. Why so cutting and sharp? Is that what's going? You it's, know what it is? It's because you know, not sleeping. We're we're moving houses. I've got relatives that are like, oh, make sure and I don't want to sit with this person at the wedding. Or what's, you know, I, I got a queen bed. I wanted a queen a king bed. You know, it's it's just really absurd. It's not. No, it's not that you sound. Cutting and sharp. It's just, and okay. I, and I'm just mean this as an observation. It's just that there are times this week, and again, as I've noted, I have been a little jittery and manic for the past couple of weeks. I don't really know what that's about, but you do sound at times just hopelessly and utterly uh, just disinterested in what I'm talking about. No, okay, maybe. I do, I do feel a little bit like I'm treading water this week. Like I'm, it's okay. I'm in time. You know, I, I, I want to be able to contribute. I feel like I'm just. Fill in time. That's okay. Um, so when? Uh, <laughs> okay, let's let's do that. Your wedding is is when? September, October? October sixth. October. October the sixth. There's a, a guy that we work with here who's going to be taking some time off because he's getting married as well. And he he said the greatest thing to me the other day. He's like, you know, like every day. He, what did he say to me? I think it started with dude. He, dude, every single day we get closer to this wedding. I wish we were just flying to Vegas. Right. I mean that's and you know I can tell you my wife and I three people at our wedding three people. I love it. I no love it. no one got dressed up. Didn't it, did it, we, we we flew down to California. Uh, we got we all got a beach on the hotel or a hotel on the beach rather. Uh, the, the appointed day, we left the hotel. We walked about a hundred yards down to the ocean. Got married. Everybody walked back to the bar and drank until about two a.m. That was the end of the wedding. There you go. Done. Five people total. Sweet. That's I I like that. So the next time you get married, I would strongly recommend that you do that. Okay, I'll I'll work on them for the next one. All right. Hey, let me. Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Is it true that at Larry Craig's... I'm sorry, I can't even put... I can't, a listener wanted me to work this joke into my opening line. And it was, hey, is it true that at Larry Craig's press conference, his first words were, thanks for coming out, everybody? I think you're going to try the Don and Mike IHOP joke, which you apparently can't say now. What? Uh, never mind. But, yeah. Um, you know, because the deal with Larry Craig uh, is that <laughs> trying to move past that really quickly, that uh, he, he, we are being told by sources in the Republican Party that they, in fact, in the last day or so, had decided they were going to ask Larry Craig to resign, that the party, the party leaders were going to say, you've got you've to go. But that they held off on that because they got indication from Craig or someone on Craig's staff that Craig himself was was making that decision, that he was close to making that decision, and that he didn't need pressure from the Republican Party because he was already basically going to resign. Now, we had been told that that could happen as soon as today. Of course, it still can happen because we're dealing with, uh, you know, plenty of hours left in the business day in the mountain time zone. Who knows? But we had expected it maybe earlier today. We'll see. I, you know, we talked about this yesterday. I think it would be easier for the senator, if he is going to resign, to do it before he before everyone returns next week. It be it would be a little odd to do it over the weekend, but he could. Is it um, is it true that he's now claiming he was quote entrapped? 
It, you know, it's not a new claim. This comes out of that the audio of his original arrest. The police officer sat down with him uh, and, and asked him basically his version of what happened. And the police officer disputing what, what Larry, Larry Craig immediately was saying, I didn't do anything wrong, uh, the police officer said, look, listen, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to persecute you. He didn't use those words, but, uh, you know, it's my job, uh, you know, to mitigate to, uh, it's my job to hold people accountable. I can't remember his exact words. I have the transcript here somewhere. He said, I'm just doing my job. The senator said, that's right, but it's not your job to entrap people. And then the police officer responded, this is an entrapment. To which Craig responded, "All right, you know, kind of going going along with the program there." And that audio tape is fascinating because Craig does maintain throughout it uh, that it was the police officer who came on to him, uh, that he did nothing wrong. But there was a clear issue uh, with the swiping of the hand under under the divider there. The police officer says, I know I saw your left hand, which would mean that Craig had to reach across his body because the, the divider was on his right side. The police officer said, I saw your left hand reach under there. I saw your wedding ring. And Craig says, no, no, there was a piece of toilet paper on the floor. I reached for that with my right hand. Uh-huh. And that's where the police officer started getting frustrated and said, listen, Senator, I'm respecting you, you know, but you're not respecting me. You're lying to a police officer right now. I know what I saw. And then Craig says, well, what you saw didn't happen. So, I mean, it's, it's all kind of water under the bridge now because it is kind of It is all back and forth. But, you know, it did, I think that in this audio tape, people who support Craig could find more evidence because he was consistent in the tape saying that he did nothing wrong. And this was minutes after the arrest. And I was going to say that, you know, even though he pled guilty to it, it is it does sound like it is very much, it, which is, and not to get off into a separate issue, but it is like with so many things, and I've sort of talked about this, for a long time that with so many issues regarding a citizen and the police the sort of the sort of pain in in, in the ass for for citizens is that is that courts automatically assume that a cop is more credible um, when there are no witnesses, and it really is just in this case, he said, he said, when, mm-hmm. when, when there is no external evidence, there are no witnesses, it does, I think, frustrate a lot of people, and maybe frustrate Senator Craig in this instance, sounds like it does, that courts automatically assume that a cop is always telling the truth and a citizen is always lying. Uh, and that does sound like maybe what, what, what happened here. And, Although, you know, you never, I mean, it's true, it depends on what segment of the population you're talking to. I mean, there's a lot of people who have dealt with police who, would trust them less. Of course, you're dealing with the. I'm US saying the police. court, though. I mean, a court always assumes that the a court, cop is right in court. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And the police officer, likewise, people who don't believe Craig, the police officer, it seems very is also very consistent in this tape, and really says, "Listen, you're lying. I know what I saw, and you're lying." And he says to Craig. I'm really disappointed in you, and it seems like he's not just saying as a person, he's saying as a senator. I mean, he says, people vote for you. You know, I can't believe that you're lying to me right here. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then after that, they wrap it up. But the police officer is also very consistent in, in say. I mean, he clearly, be- he seemed to believe that Craig did this. Uh, you know, could he have made it up? Sure, but Craig, could Craig have lied? Sure, who knows? This is an interesting question that somebody has asked here via email, and I, and I this is sort of a variation on something I was thinking, because my... The point I was making to Jim Roop yesterday about this is, uh, look, I suppose maybe this is, some, this is sort of some ongoing issue that maybe the citizens have demanded the cops do something about this. That I guess, but I mean, until the cops get all the, until the city gets all the potholes paved in front of your, your house, it seems like they have better things to do with their time. This guy says. Could Lisa shed some light on this, Rick? I still don't know what crime was committed in the Larry Craig case. Mm-hmm. No, no money was offered. 
Uh, no money was offered. No sexual conduct took place. What is the crime? He pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct. Which seems like it, a stretch. It was a crime of solicitation. So there was not any actual, and you know, in a lot of these these stings, like any sex stings, a prostitution sting, anything like that, it's solicitation. You're not because the police officer can't actually engage in a sexual act. So it's it's solicitation, which in this case uh, was in court pleaded down to disorderly conduct. Which is so weird because the, because if it's solicitation, that then implies that the court has as a matter of legal record the idea that tapping your foot and waving your hand somehow means that you want to pay a guy to, to be, to be uh, you know, uh, get, get, well, the getting a piece. Well, the police officer, right, the police officer would present that, and he would have to say, they would probably, they might present an expert or two that would say that. The police officer would make that. That would be the central part of his case. But in this case, he didn't need to do that because Craig pleaded guilty. You know, so right. you know, so it doesn't—it doesn't really like the whole argument over what happened. Legally, it doesn't matter. Legally, Craig is convicted of the, of of disorderly conduct after this arrest for sexual solicitation. It's just though it is. I think more than anything, and again, this guy, you know, as Dennis Miller said this morning, he couldn't be more gone if he had never been, he never existed. Oh, but um, right. it, it really is just a fascinating window into society more than anything else. It is a what's fascinating really, societal issue. What's really rough is the sort of, you know, it's not a bad example. It's not a very, a very imperfect parallel, but... Say Fatty Arbuckle. Say I was going to say the Julius Caesar. Oh, okay. <laughs> factor where it really is Republicans who are bringing him down. Oh, yeah. For their own future. By the way, you might like to know that apparently it is true. Apparently he did say today in his press conference, or in the, in the I'm sorry, he did say in the press conference of, uh, of the 28th, thanks for coming out. Let's see if it's true. Hold on a second. An incident in June. This is live on C-SPAN. This was in June? Thank you all very much uh, for coming out today. So there you go. So apparently it is true. He actually did say it. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, are you uh, on the job next week? I will be here all next week, every day for you. Fantastic. All right. Have a great weekend. Say okay. hi to Sporbert. We will talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa Goddard, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, the Larry Craig thing is just weird. All right. Well, what are you going to do? <sighs> all right. You know, if someone's stressed out about their wedding, it probably isn't the best time to point out that they're being kind of short with you. I didn't say she was being short. I said that uh, she did seem sort of utterly disinterested in everything I had to say. Well, she's probably, I mean, listen to all the stuff she's doing. She's probably totally stressed out. You know what? Here's what I would say to you, Sarah. I would say that she probably appreciates the chance to sort of vent openly about her wedding stress. Because you know that she has to put on the, the stupid, perfect smile. Oh, of course, I think you should family. be an outlet for her to vent, but I don't think you should pile on. wasn't piling. I was trying to provide a little safety valve, a little release valve there. Because, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you have been married, but you know whenever there's something like that coming up. You totally have to have the frozen smile mm -hmm. when you're in love. No, it's great. I'm happiest time of my life. And you, and you just like you want it to be over. So glad you're all staying with us. Seriously, you just want it to be done. You just want it to be done and over like more than anything. Uh, thank you all for coming out. Let's see if we can hear that one more time. Hold on a second if I can back this up just a little bit. Statement by Idaho Republican Senator I'm going to have to excerpt this. On pleading it seems like this, even at this point, somebody would have told him not to use this phrase on national television. But what do I know? Ladies and gentlemen, Larry Craig. Thank you all very much uh, for coming out today. Fantastic. It's 5037. That's so great. I'm going to play that 100 times. It's 503 733 uh, We'll get this call here in just a second. Some, who is this call? 
Oh, it's Steve Kastenbaum. Yes. So we'll get Steve Kastenbaum in a second. Uh, then we've got uh, more email, more of your phone calls later on. Scotty J at the noon news hour. Uh, Scott Dowdley coming up. Uh, James Roof. Top five songs from this week in 1987. Queensryche giveaway. Uh, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and spot the fake metal lyrics. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Everson radio program. And I've, I've forgotten to make this part of my permanent sound bank. So every day now, until I do that, I'm going to have to go through and find it by hand. Hold on a second. And bam. Oh, now I can't because I've got the Larry Craig thing playing. <laughs> Boy, this is really flawless. At flawless broadcasting, this is a 10 share. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the city that never sleeps, the one and only Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. Hello, Steve. How are you today? You had me laughing there with you saying it's flawless radio and this is a 10 share. <laughs> no, it's, it really this is. This is exactly how you capture that coveted 2554 demographic, sir. You play sound bites incorrectly and prove incapable of finding something that you just had five seconds ago. So how are things? How's life? How's New York City? Doing good, doing good. Can't complain. Holiday weekend. Now, you know, Sarah's going to be in New York in just a short while. I am on the 14th to the 23rd. Oh, are you going to stop by? That would be great. Can I? Of course. You know, we're always invited to stop by, and then we always forget to do it. I'm totally going to stop by. Last time I was in L.A., uh, Roop was just like, hey, stop by and see me at the CNN Center. And I, here's the extent of me visiting Roop in L.A. We drove down the street, and I said, hey, look, there's the CNN Center, as we drove by, and then that was it. <laughs> Where's the CNN Center in New York? It's in, it's at uh, Columbus Circle in the Time Warner Center. Oh, come on. How cool oh, is that? Oh, my God, that is the coolest so get, thing yeah, ever. You to get your picture taken there. With yeah, the Kastenbaum. Yeah. Who, now, does anybody else, uh, now, does anybody, not that you're not of note, but, I mean, so do you share it with, I mean, is it a whole media conglomerate there? There's, um, CNN occupies six stories here, and then uh, there's other, like, Time Warner, AOL, Turner Broadcasting uh, offices up here. There's uh, a lot of the cable uh, outlets are are in the building here from Time Warner, so. Oh, my God, you work in the same building as my friend, then. My friend works for Time Warner Cable. Ah, and and Anderson Cooper's in the building. (gasps) Really? Yes. Sarah? I have a little crush on Anderson Cooper. Okay. He works, he works out in the gym downstairs. It's documented. You should totally stalk him. Yeah. Totally stalk, stalk Anderson Come on. Cooper. Come on. How many chances? Okay, I'm totally going to stalk Anderson okay. Cooper. Get your picture taken with Steve and and then if you get a chance with Anderson Cooper. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sarah's going to be there in the uh, the week of like the 14th through whatever, blah, blah, blah. So uh, We'd love to have you. That would be great. Cool. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, you know, it's just that we're coming up on we're coming up on the weekend here, but I I did want to talk a, a little bit about this only because this actually does have a little bit of personal uh, relevance to. Me. Well, first of all, everybody except for Sarah has a credit card. Everybody, is it true that you have no credit cards? Mm-mm, I don't have a credit card. How do you ever get a hotel room anywhere? Do you have somebody else do it? I mean, do you so put it on somebody else's card? card? Really? Will they let you get a hotel room on a, on a debit card? Yeah, I mean, it has a Mastercard logo on it. I didn't think that was true. I thought because that's one of the reasons I got a credit card was because I've tried to get a hotel room at some point, and the guy was just like, no, like, you have to have a credit card. And, I, and hmm. they were, like, giving me guff about it. And plus, I wanted to kind of restore my credit. Oh, because I have my, like, Washington Mutual debit card, but it has a MasterCard logo, so I can use it as a credit card sometimes. Can you overdraft on that? Like, if you have a debit, car, a debit card, let's, let me ask you this. I'm not to ignore Steve here, but if you, you, if you get a hotel room on a debit card, which is basically just a checkbook, mm-hmm. and then you destroy the hotel room, can they bill your debit card for that, even if it exceeds the amount in your savings? Yes, because I don't believe they... I don't know what I'm talking about, but if they don't use it as a debit card, maybe they just run it as a credit card. Because they, they should go debit or credit if you give them the card. Oh, that's interesting. Well, but I don't think that means it works both ways, does it? I think they just clarify. Why would they give you the option if it didn't work both ways? 
Well, if I if I can interject, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You yeah, are actually a, you are actually a news person who's talking about credit cards today. Hello, Steve. It's really funny because I have firsthand experience in this, and because um, I, as a as many young reckless individuals do in the United States these days, I ran up a tremendous amount of credit card debt. Well done. In my young twenties. Good American. So I paid the price for that, and so now I have no more credit cards. I, I one by one I closed them out and uh, paid off the debt, and I only use the debit card now too. But if you have overdraft protection on your checking, that's what they go into. So you sort of, you know, when you open a checking account, you usually get like a like a $2,000 overdraft protection, and then that's sort of like a credit line that you can use. So if she were to trash the hotel up to $2,000 worth, uh, they would charge your overdraft protection. Okay. Fancy. Yeah. Okay. And I now have, I think one of mine just lapsed the other day, and I don't know if I'm going to reduce So I actually I have a uh, credit card now, which I, and I think the only reason I really ever got it, well, the, A, there was the hotel issue, and then also, and just, I had just abysmal credit anyway, you know? And it's like anytime I wanted to buy uh, anything or use a credit card, but like I had to go to my honey, can I borrow a credit card so I can, you know, because my wife has like, so, here's how good my wife's credit is. My wife actually, my wife actually has one of those things that you only hear talked about in like episodes of Entourage. My wife actually has a black card. Ooh. Which is, you know, and it's like because there is there, which I thought was fake. Like I didn't think that really existed, but there's the gold card, platinum card. I mean, hell, they gave me a platinum card. I mean, seriously, how how valuable could it possibly be? My wife actually has this jet black credit card. That means she spends a lot of money. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, she's a government employee. What do you want? She can't ever be fired. I uh, they she, she takes like an act of act of Congress to get rid of her. But it, I mean, it's just unreal. I mean, I think my wife could probably buy an island on her credit card. It's just it's insane. But I've got the one credit card, uh, which I, it has. A very low limit on it, and they keep asking me. I know that I'm just sitting here rambling about my own personal philosophy, but there is a really weird, messed up thing in this country where, and no one really ever thinks about this. And I don't mean to mock Sarah for not having a credit card because it is it is a little. Yeah, admirable. I don't have credit debt. Well, see, and neither do I. And that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's it's very admirable actually that you have that sort of regime because most because most Americans don't. Laura and I have a friend of ours who I will not name, who has, and she does not make that much money. She makes very very little money. She has like fifty thousand dollars in credit, and, and 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 she doesn't have like a like a college degree to show for that. Like she has fifty grand in credit card debt just because she's dense. I did more than that. That's how bad I was. I mean, it's it's really evil. I mean, and and it's the engine that drives the American economy now. It's it's all about credit debt, you know. So, you know, uh, on the one hand, it's great for for uh, the stock market and the big banks because they make an incredible amount of profit on all of our credit card debt. Because the second you're a day late on a payment, your interest rate is no longer 9.9 .9 or 11.9. .9. It goes right up right. to 22, 23, 24%. And they're making an, an incredible amount of profit off of Americans' uh, credit card debt. Totally. And, yeah. I, and I will also say this. So this one credit card that I have is – I'm sorry. I have to stop and make this. Sarah, is your necklace crooked? Your chain <laughs> Is your chain sort of wrapped around your neck, or is it supposed to be like that? It's The chain that is looped around the anchor part at the bottom? No, no, that's part of the anchor. Really? Okay. It was just driving me crazy. You are insane today. I have a little OCD thing. I know you do. But here's the thing about my credit card. I have a very Jeez. low I have a very low credit card limit, and they keep uh, sending me envelopes saying, 
Hey, uh, Rick Emerson, would you like to? Would you like more? We'd like to give you a higher. How would you like to have another ten grand added to your? And people in this country have the weirdest thing where they feel like that is a compliment. You know what I mean? Right. Like we have this idea. This is the little tiny bit of Jedi mind trickery that they have done on Americans. Where if Sarah gets something in the mail and they go, Sarah Dillon, we'd like to offer you a thirty thousand dollar credit line. And people in this country acclimated to go, That's so, I'm flattered. Oh, thank you. You think so? And really... No, in my mind, everyone's always just trying to swindle But me. that's exactly what it is, too. But yeah. they have conned Americans into thinking that would... Because how many people do you meet that brag about having a huge credit line? They go, oh, I got 50 grand in credit. You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, yes, you're, it's called being a mark. Yeah, I mean, right. that's really what it is. They have convinced Americans that that is somehow a badge of honor when really it's just they found out that that is like your psychic weak spot and that's how they can swindle you. So, and the problem now is that, we're, uh, you know, anybody can get credit no matter how bad their, their financial history is, their financial situation. It used to be when, when credit cards first came out, you know, that they really did a background check, and they, and they looked to see what your income was and whether you can actually afford to make payments. Oh, no. Now they don't care if you can make payments. <laughs> no, no, of course not. They, I would say this, and I don't mean to be melodramatic about this, but I would say, and I don't know if this is true, but I would say if you were to analyze marketing and advertising in America, I would say that debt is the single most aggressively and widely marketed product in this country. Well, that's why we're having so much trouble now with, with the uh, the subprime mortgage market now. That's why the whole we had this whole big drop in the market because they were lending money to people they shouldn't lend money to, and a lot of these people just weren't smart enough to realize how much their payments were going to go up in mm-hmm. five in five years. And a lot of people were also sold on on mortgages that when they actually signed the papers, they didn't get the mortgage they thought they were getting. And, and so there's all these problems right now. With the, the the credit industry, it's to the point where even George Bush made a speech just was it today or yesterday where he wants to crack down on it and save these people and and stop them from losing their homes. But I say you know read the fine print. You know I mean if if you made if you signed a mortgage and, and you know that that in, that 2.9 interest rate is going to turn into 11 percent in five years. You know you're not going to be able to make the payments, so why did you sign the mortgage in the first place? Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. You, I think you and I have the same dad somehow. Because that was, <laughs> I will say this: the one thing about my parents, and also about having spending most of my uh, late adolescence when I was out on my own for the first time, making like no money at all in radio and just being dead broke, is it did get beaten into my head. Just that old stupid thing, not to sound like it. I'm not, I don't mean to sound like some droning curmudgeon, but I mean really, it got pounded into me. That, like, if I could not pay for something in cash, I ought not be buying it. You know what I mean? Um, So it probably was kind of the best thing for me, actually. This is actually the car I drive now is the first car that I did not pay for completely when I bought it. Uh, because I just I just drove like cheap pieces of uh, crap for the longest time because I didn't want to I didn't want to you know be be up to my eyeballs in debt to somebody. So I don't blame you. And and that's it's it's kind of unique to Americans because. Most other places in, in the world, you don't live above your means, you know, and, and that's the problem with, with us. We become such incredible consumers. So, uh, so then Consumer Reports comes out with their rating of all the credit cards that we're using uh, um, now, and they surveyed uh, 36,000 readers and, and figured out what are the best credit cards to have and what are the worst as far as customer service goes. So at the top of the list is USAA Federal, but the only way you can get a credit card from them is if you're in the U.S. Armed Services, if you're in some branch of the military. And then all the way at the bottom are the two ones that you see a lot of advertising for, a lot of predatory advertising, Providian and Capital One. 
Ah, uh, yeah. So Capital One is at the bottom. Yeah. I think I have an envelope from them sitting. On, I think I have an envelope from them sitting in my like the basket of mail that we get at home right now. I think they're trying to give me something as we speak. Yeah, as far as far as customer satisfaction goes, uh, they were down at the bottom of the list. Uh, the big the big banks were right in the middle, and then the the good ones together. If you have access to a credit union, uh, apparently the credit unions do a really good job with not only customer service but keeping the interest rates low. Capital One, well, thanks because that's an envelope I now don't even need to open. Don't open. Right into the shredder. All right, my friend, uh, are you on? Uh, are you on next week? Yeah, I'm actually working Monday, putting together some stories uh, on, la- on the labor movement and the labor force for well, Labor Day. We will be here as well, so we'll talk to you Monday. Have a good weekend, sir. And looking forward to seeing Sarah in New York. Excellent. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'll send you an email. I'll, I'll go on the website. Sounds good. All right, see you, man. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen, in oh, New York City. Okay, I just looked at the, what he looks like. Uh-huh. He's a good-looking fella. Let me see. Let me see here. Yes, he is. He's younger than I thought he was. Attractive man. Uh, for those who are uh, uh, fans of Mad Men, he looks like perhaps, you know that guy, Pete? And this is not a reflection on Steve. This sort of weaselly guy on Mad Men, uh, Pete, the one, the newly married guy who just, uh, newly married guy who just bought the hunting rifle. Um, Steve Castamon looks maybe like his older, more athletic brother. So there you go. All right, well, damn, we have to take a break. We are so late. Like 12.03. Back after this with Scotty J at the Ministry of Truth. Later on... Jim Roop, Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics, top five songs from this week 20 years ago, uh, and uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Stay there. Back after this. Radio program. 503 Is that phrase not hilarious, though? It is. <laughs> Too bad we can't reveal it on the I air. No. Don't you worry about that out there. It really was unpleasant. Scotty J, are you uh, prepared with the news? Absolutely. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth in the stead of Tim Riley, it's Scotty J. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The no child left behind results are better than expected for Oregon schools. So if your kids are here in Oregon going to school and you're listening to this program, results are a lot better than we thought originally. Students at about three-fourths of Oregon's public schools are meeting the academic standards mandated by the federal the education law. The irony of you reading this story is <laughs> oh, I love it. so I love high it can't even be calculated. <laughs> Are your children, will your children go to, they go to Oregon public schools or private school? Uh, public. Right. And the thing is, uh, their schools are really good, really decent, but I feel, really decent. <laughs> really I feel that the... Uh, Please to explain, I can't believe I'm asking you seriously to explain a news story to me, but because I don't have children, so I don't have to care about this. What is, if you know, what is no child left behind? What does that mean? It means that... Because uh, people talk about it all the time, and I know teachers who just bitch to high heaven about it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm just saying, 
I, and I don't even I don't even know what it means. Here's my perception, and then I'll tell you what it is because it's written right here in front of me. But my perception of it is you're you're not going to have any lagging t- people. Did you almost say cards? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Does it say that in the actual bill? Are you bill? kidding me? And no, this legislation will make sure that no tard is left behind. <laughs> so say one, so say we all. Basically, it just means that you know, if you can't read, everyone's going to read. They're going to, they're all going to climb on board the same ship. If you can't you read, everyone's, everyone's going to read, and they're all going to climb aboard the same ship. If you will. I see now the folly now, of my Here's ways. the reality of it: forty-nine percent of the students need to pass the math exams. And 50% need to pass the reading test. So to only, what? Uh, apparently only half. No or, child or, left behind, but only half in the entire school need to pass in order to for what? do this. To do what? Okay. Let's when say, you say 49 okay, per, okay, Hold on. Yeah, let me ask you. Okay. When you say 49% have to pass, or, or what? Or they... Uh, nuke the school, apparently. I don't know. The whole deal is this. Uh, they passed this legislation to make sure that more kids are getting an education that and, and that the children aren't getting left behind and not knowing how to read. You can't explain. Therefore, yeah, I can. You Take, can't explain the No Child Left Behind Act by saying it's there to make sure that children aren't left behind. <laughs> Here's the deal. you got a school, right, with uh, 200 people. So 100 of them need to basically pass math and reading. But see, see, that doesn't make sense to me about the no child left behind because 50% are still kind of dangling in the weeds off in the back. They're dangling in the weeds. <laughs> Here's the deal. Next year, it's going to jump 59 to 59%. What about the 100 out of 200? You can't, you can't take the news and turn it into a suburban Well, no, view. you were giving us your take on no child left behind. Here's the deal about this. I'm really proud of Oregon here because 85% of the elementary and middle schools met their target. Yeah, apparently, of forty nine percent. Apparently, passing. <laughs> apparently. So eighty five percent met the target of forty nine percent meeting a target. Correct. So you see. So that's twenty. No, I don't little, even know what that this, is. Now. This whole story is tardish, if I must say that. I don't think you can. And, and what better a person than me to, to bring it to you? Let's let's give that to Lacey <laughs> Turner so that she can uh, put that down as our public service uh, criteria for this year. Here's the thing: only Scotty, are your children being left behind? I think <laughs> Maybe so. Now that I think about it, yeah. Forty-three <laughs> percent of high schools met the criteria. Forty-three percent met the forty-nine percent. Correct. And the, here's the other deal. So how many it total paced last year? Two, 2006. It outpaced 2006. Which, only which is only 31% met the 49% last year. It's like 20% of you, 100% of high to, school kids are graduating? I guess. But if you're going to Butte Falls Middle High School, don't don't even bother showing up. <laughs> <laughs> that really might be accurate. That might be the most accurate thing in the whole story. Let's get a couple of these. Um, Hello, please help. Yeah, one funny thing about saying that... Uh, that our schools got better, according to the No Child Left Behind standard. Uh-huh. They actually lowered the standard between this year and last year. <laughs> really? So that's kind of an interesting thing to note. But, I mean, when they say lower the standards, what do you... All right. Here's the deal. They're raising it next year. Here's the deal. Right here. I'm going to make a deal with you. Let's make a deal. I should have tried out for the Price is Right. I'd probably get paid more. Anyways, wrong, next Wrong year, show, but oh, go ahead. Next year... 49, it's going to be moved from 49% on the math to 59%. The math. <laughs> In the Iraq. All right. <laughs> I think Iraq is near Alaska, isn't it? Are you still convinced it's in Asia? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Um, so, 
60% must pass reading next year. So 60% or, out of Vonders. Here's the thing that blows or, me or away. Or what? Or what happens? Or the school gets a bad... Let's just put it in the term of grades. The school fails to meet the criteria of the government. Okay. All right. So according to this, Butte Falls Middle High School uh, did not pass. So they're not meeting the criteria of teaching the minimal 49% right now. So the criteria is that less than half of the students have to know how to read? Well, they have to meet... Uh, a certain reading level. I realize level. this is probably very not, frustrating for everybody the, listening since we can't figure out this story, which is written in straightforward English. Hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey, so uh, uh, the U.S. Americans in Di- Iraq, uh, such uh, as... Uh, okay, no, seriously. The uh, the 100% of the 49% of the 50% of the schools have to pass. Basically what happens is the states, well, the states were told to set a criteria and and a progression so that it improves each year. And whatever that is, you either meet it or you don't. If you consistently don't meet it for like two or three years in a row, the federal cuts off federal money. Right, so you have to meet the bar. It's a passing grade. So let me understand this. So if your school's not getting the job done, the government's solution is to take away their funding. Uh, well, that was the uh, theory, yeah. But the, the, the really bad part well, is... Well, that seems really stupid. The, fe- the feds came and said, okay, states... Set your criteria. And it's like, so every state could have come in and said, you know, as long as they remember how to breathe, we're going to say that's a passing grade. All right. Okay. So this makes it easier to be a teacher then. Uh, well, no, it all depends on. Uh, I mean, if, if the whole moral is that everybody now passes. I mean, seriously, the, like, you know, how hard can it be to be a teacher if everybody passes? Here's now? the reality. When I was back in high school, right, everybody you, passed anyways, so it's not like anything has really changed. It's true. Now, let me ask you this. Did you ever know, did you ever, I just turn this off. Did you ever, um, did you ever know anybody who uh, did not pass in either grade uh, or middle school? Did you know anybody who didn't, uh, who didn't make it forward? No, everybody made it in the, in also, like when I was in high Where school, did you go to school, Scotty? Hillsborough. My senior year, I got Public all D's, school? all D's. My senior year, except for <laughs> about except for radio, I got an A. <laughs> and look where I am now. Yes, yeah, really. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Did you go to community college right after high school? Yeah, and I made it about uh, uh, three quarters of a year worth of credits right after high school. How many months is three quarters of a year? I, it's a total of... Okay, hi. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. I'll explain this nice. and make it real simple. What they did is they came up with a standardized set of tests, and they give these tests every year, and 49 or 43% or however many of the freaking tards that go to public school have to pass I it. I and... really don't think we're getting an honest and unbiased assessment. Okay, yes? And if they don't pass it, then, like they say, after two or three years, then there are federal consequences to it. And, you know, the, basically what's happened is, is that everybody is that we spend more money than any other nation in the world on school, and yet we're, we rank like 14th or 15th overall globally behind like South Korea that spends like 25%. Well, I think of you have to go to school there or they execute you or something. All right, thank you. Here, here, here's what it says. For most schools, the consequences of missing the targets are embarrassing headlines, low morale among the staff, and perhaps some uh, telephone expo- 
nations to concerned parents also have lower morale if you're already a public school teacher in most places i don't know but the consequences are super swift for the schools that receive federal funding they will be cut off uh and uh the districts with the low income students will be targeted so (laughs) that's great that's wonderful because of course schools in low income uh you know areas what they need is less money that's, right that's, but on the reverse of your thinking pattern here the uh-huh. reverse is we're giving you this money why aren't they passing well yeah I, I don't know i don't know it's been a long time it's been a long time since i was in public school but it does seem it does seem like well never mind you know what i'm talking about this like i care i don't doesn't matter uh let's see uh, if the school, okay, there we go. The school doesn't meet the criteria, they lose federal funding. If the, okay, then this is from a parent. It says if the school doesn't pass, then parents can send their kids to a different school free of charge. There you go. Ooh, that's a great bonus. So there you go. That, I don't know if it's bonus. true, but that's what this parent says is the case. Okay, good. Okay, so now we're done. It doesn't affect any of us in this room. Well, it affects you, I well, guess. Well, I started out saying earlier that Your my kids, kids are, are currently going to a... Are they know, at a school a, that a, sucks? They're at a, yeah. Well, no, they're at a great school right now, okay? Uh-huh. But they're going to go to a better school, in my opinion. So I'm pretty happy. Wait, are you moving your kids to a different school? You know, we're moving a mile up the road, and the Does line... School the line is, Yes, the line is drawn. Oh, so they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna hate you. They already do. They're a little bit nervous. <laughs> That's right. Yesterday, I had to take my boy to his new school, and so I'm like, oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, I so wanted to go here. You're so lucky you <laughs> away from all your friends. It's true, though. Hey, with a new group of students who will beat you mercilessly every day. Well uh, done, apparently son. Apparently, the school he's going to be going to has a bunch of new kids coming in, too, so they they, they can all feel, you know, they can new all be, together. They can all be outcast together. How old is he? He's nine. Oh, yeah. Uh, hi, you're on the... Uh, he's going to be wearing pantyhose and shooting a gun any day now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. This is me? Yes, it is, sir. Excellent. Uh, I'm a teacher. I want to explain some of this stuff. Excellent. All right. Here's here's one reason that the teachers hate uh, NCLB, No Child Left Behind, as we call it. Um, first of all, there's all the testing. Uh, we have a lot of testing to do. It uh, you know gets away in the way of instruction time and all that and, and all that stuff. Another thing is uh, everyone has to take the test. That includes special ed. That includes uh, students it, which may or may not speak English. Is it the same test? Uh, well, if for this is the, the ironic thing. For uh, English as a second language students, there is a separate test for math, but not for reading. Are so, you kidding me, really? So if you yeah. come here and you speak Swahili as your primary language, they give you a separate math test, but the same English test? They give you, well, they have a Spanish math test. I've, I've, uh, I'm... I do ESL, and they they give you a uh, a Spanish math test. Uh, I remember at one school we had some Chinese students, and they were looking all over the place for some Chinese math tests for uh, ah. for them. Uh, but they have to take the reading test in English. So, now, what if, you, uh, what if you are a developmentally disabled student? They don't give you the same test as everybody else, do they? Uh, oh yes, they do. <laughs> really? I'm sorry. I shouldn't that's, have that's why. Really? That's why one of the reasons. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that teachers hate it so much. Is that like, and the thing about you have to make they call it AYP annual. Uh, uh, annual, yearly, no. Well, uh, the, it, it's called AYP. I don't know exactly what the acronym is, but um, that means every uh, every segment they test uh, either passes or fails. And it's not they have to set a certain. It's not that they have to make a certain percent of passing each year. It's that the the number of students who pass has to increase each year. Oh, I see. So they do it the way. Okay, so corporations work a lot like this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not singling out any corporation, but every company I have ever worked for, they don't they don't measure yearly money, you know, profits in terms of profit uh, percentage. They it's in terms of profit percentage growth. In other words, right. If, at, if you make a million dollars this year, you've got to make a million plus ten percent the following year. 
year, plus 10% the following year, plus 10% the following year. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's ad- it's adequate yearly progress, and luckily my school made it last year. Now, so let, me, we're not gonna... let me ask you this, and again, I don't mean to be relentlessly negative about this. I have a lot of respect for teachers, and I mean, sure. that, I mean that sincerely. But, I mean, does it... Do you just wake up every day and just just wish that you were teaching at a private school somewhere? I mean, the, the temptation to go be a private school teacher must be overwhelming. You know, I actually don't for a couple reasons. Uh, private school teachers make less money than public school teachers. That, really? Is that true? Yes, and uh, one of the reasons for that is private schools like to have a higher teacher-to-student ratio, and so they don't they don't uh, spend as much money on their teachers so they can get more. And you don't have to have the same kind of qualifications. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, the, the thing about me is I, I look at some other teachers like high school and middle school, and I think, God, you know, I could never do that. I'm a kindergarten teacher, which probably sounds like hell to you guys, but oh, I really well, enjoy it. No, but I mean, but you know what? They're malleable at that age, and they're easily frightened. You can, no, oh, you can get yeah, them to do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, I mean, so, no, I mean, and I'm not trying to be, I guess I'm being a little jokey about it, but I mean, really, a five-year-old isn't going to, you know, kick up, unless he's just mental, isn't going to kick up. You're too much guff. You tell him to oh, do no, something. Oh, no, that's true. I mean, you get some ninth, you some ninth grader, man, you try to, he'll cut you with a straight razor. Exactly. I mean, you know, at that age, adults are still sort of godlike to the kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. Congratulations on being a teacher. You have uh, more stones than I do. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, some guy. All right. Here's Scotty J. All right. Well, some great news for all you Bush-bashing haters out there. Governor Ted Kulingoski, Democratic, said Thursday a gas tax increase should be part of a long-term transportation proposal to be considered by the Oregon legislator. They go on to say Kulingowski and or Kulingowski, sorry, and several Democratic lawmakers said they think Oregonians might be willing to consider a gas tax as a part of funding package. I think a gas tax is entirely appropriate. To overhaul the state's transportation system. I that's, that's, that's total as, democratic as, as, thinking. As much as more, I am, tax, more as, tax. As much as I am not in favor of more taxes or taxes in general, a gas tax is eminently fair because you don't have to pay it if you don't use the product. A gas tax is like a sales tax. Does, do you object to sales tax? I mean, in terms of fairness? I mean, I'm glad we don't have one here, but I'm saying... You know, because I'm in favor of fewer taxes to begin with. But a gas tax seems eminently fair to me because it only applies to people who go and use a product which is inherently, I'm not even saying damaging to the environment, but it damages the infrastructure. Um, You know, it certainly causes more road repair to be done. A gas tax is completely and totally fair because it only applies to people who use that service. Okay, I'm a little more old school, and I believe that there's already a ton of money floating around out there already from our tax system. Where is it all going? Oh, no, Why that's is it constantly well, that we're upping the cigarette tax, upping the alcohol tax, well, you and I, No, we agree on that. Tax. No, you and I agree on that. that Where's really, the money now, right? We, see, on that, Scotty, you and I can both agree that really, you know, this government operated, you know, the country operated without an income tax for a long time. There wasn't an income tax until early in the 20s. Century, uh, so I do agree with that. That if really we would cut government spending enough, and I really can't believe I'm sitting here agreeing with Scotty on something. But really, if we were to cut government spending sufficiently, this country could probably get by without an income tax at all. Uh, Here's the deal. But in terms, so- it, but I'm saying if they're going to do something like this, it does seem like a gas tax uh, only affects those who opt in. In other words, it is a tax you really don't have to pay, depending on your lifestyle and how you choose to get around in your transportation. So, yes. Well, someone's probably going to uh, go against me on this here, but um, you talk about a smaller government or whatever. That's totally what the Republicans are all about. Sure. 
Right, the government. They are. Sure. And so someone will call and go, there's more people on the government payroll than ever. I'll remember that the next time I see a Republican busy passing laws to decide who can get married. Well, how many times, I don't know how many times in your lifetime, but in my lifetime, here's what they're proposing. A nickel a gallon. uh, Let's see, wait a second here. Voters crushed a nickel a gallon in 2000 is what they were proposing back then. We're seven years later. Um, So... I don't know how many times in your lifetime they've actually upped the taxes on gas, but you know I remember the day when gas was ninety-eight cents a gallon. <laughs> are you really? Some are you really having this conversation? Look, it, the, the idea that somehow look, I, I, I'm not saying Democrats want smaller government either. The the idea that any political party wants less government is retarded. The idea that Democrats want a small government and want to leave you alone is equally... Democrats want a big government. You know what? Politicians of every party want a big government. They just want it for bigger things, Scotty. Democrats want government small enough that it can fit into your wallet. Republicans want government small enough that it can fit into your bedroom. That's the only difference. Wait a second. You're making it sound like Republicans want a bigger government. I'm saying politicians of both parties want a bigger government and more laws just for different things. Democrats want it to take your money for social services. Republicans want more government so they can control your personal life. Okay. They both want. I mean, it's. I mean, that there's just no getting around that fact. I think here's I mean, how I've always viewed Republican views, and you know, I was I was raised this, this way you, via my parents. So I would I'm never Republican. have guessed that. But the deal is, I've always viewed it as they're for they're more for every man for himself. The more you make, the more you take. You know what I'm saying? Not the more you make, the more you take as a government. The more you take individually. Well, so they're always lowering taxes. If you're in business for yourself, or you're making good money, or you get over a certain threshold, then then the taxes aren't as severe, which is great. Now, in the Democratic ways, if you make 200 and above or 300 and above, I don't know what the cutoff is, they're going to just keep taxing you, taxing you, taxing you. And I feel like if I bust my buns out there and I make half a million dollars a year, I shouldn't have to pay 300000 of it in taxes. Now I'm making 200000 again, whereas the guy over here making 200000 takes home 150. So... Well, well, you're making the same amount for working harder. That's right. what I what I hate. You're about certainly not going to get any argument from me that the government takes too much of your money. But I'm saying the government takes too much of your money regardless of who's in power. I will point out that the budget was balanced under Clinton and it hasn't been under Bush. So the idea that Bush is some sort of a fiscal conservative is just like flat out incorrect. That's the whole thing. I so Scotty, I, I believe on this, you really do agree with me whether whether you want to acknowledge it or not. It's just that it's just that parties want to control you in different ways. Democrats want to take your money. Uh, uh, you know, and Republicans just want to take uh, your freedom to do what you want in your house. Well, I think I'm just surrendering on this issue. I can't beat you. There so. is no, there's no, there's no surrender because we agree on it. And I mean, it just, I don't want to get into some weird Vietnam land war about it. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, so I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm just from the, uh, I am, like, as they say, I am. Uh, there's that phrase South Park conservative that they use a lot, but I really am more from the political party of just leave me alone. I mean, I'd be happy if the government didn't even know I existed. If the government didn't even know I was here, it, that'd be fine with me. Now, on the reverse side, what I believe is I want to pay to have my house uh, put out if it's on fire. I want to pay to get, you know, I don't mind paying for a TriMet even though I don't write it. I'm totally up for that. Um, so there, there are certain things that belong. I like how you're under in favor taxes. of paying for you're, pay, you're in favor of paying for TriMet, but not to help people with cancer. Oh, I help people with cancer. It's all the time. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. You're, you're, yeah, Scotty can't get home without passing by a chemo ward. Hello, yes. Um, well, I, I want to make sure I got this right. Now, if Scotty's kids fail in their testing, 
after about two years, and so that means that I brought, they brought the school down. Scotty can then transfer the kids to a better school that actually passed, so he can bring those kids down the yes. next couple of years. Well, then they need to start he collecting can, names of who is, uh, who is not passing, so parents can see, okay, which kid didn't pass and made our school fail? Let's, exactly. I hadn't, really, I hadn't really thought about that, that if your kid is just an F-up and just can't even put together like a two-syllable word, do you just send him to one school after another, like some sort of educational typhoid Mary, just completely, just diluting down the test scores everywhere he goes? That's, that's, that's the way it was just explained. I just want to make sure I got that sort right. Sort of a reverse Johnny Appleseed. And yeah. just going away, just taking away school funding everywhere he goes. Somebody <laughs> should raise your kid like that. <laughs> your kid is just a Pied Piper of school bankruptcy. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, what's up? Hey, you know, I remember taking those standardized tests um, when I was in school. And they, they would always ask, so, you know, does this affect our grade? And they'd be like, oh, no, no, it doesn't affect your grade. Just do the best you can, right? Oh, sure. Like, yeah, well, screw you. Well, I just start filling in dots. Yeah, I mean, so I... I don't know. What was that test I had to take? It was the SRA test. I, but I don't remember what that stands for. We're not now. talking about SAT. No, I, no, no okay. I, never, okay. I never took the SAT. But I took, um, I took a thing called an SRA test they would give us every year. And I do believe that was some sort of a, some sort of a tool to measure the achievement of the school. Of course, I went to a private school. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what that was for. Maybe that was like an independent auditing. Is that the test with the big E on the wall? And... That's an I test. Oh, okay. Not an SRA yeah. test. That's an I test. I, I mean, I know lots of kids that, that did that. It's like, oh, it doesn't affect your grade. So, I mean, it was like two full days of straight testing. You know, can I just like tell that, you this? You know? now, now that I think about it, there's all kinds of tests they give you in school, and I don't even know what they're for. Let's, okay, let me, okay, there was the ACT test. What is that? What Remember, did you guys take that, the ACT? Oh, that's like a preamble to the SATs, wasn't it? But yeah, I mean, it was a high school one that didn't really count for anything, but wasn't it? I don't know, but I'm, that's, that's why does oh, it count? Know, that's a different version of a SAT. You could take those or the SATs. Yeah, I took my that's SATs. Was. So an ACT is another one that colleges use? Yeah, you I know me. I believe so, yeah. Sorry. Spoiler. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. And then there was the MAT. Did you guys take the MAT? There was an MAT test they gave us in high school, and I don't remember what that stands for either. I think I took the MAT, but I, don't, I know I didn't take the SAT, and I didn't take because I knew I wasn't going to college. So was that an FMAT? Sorry. It's really just... What was blowing off What me? were we being just now, Scotty? It's <laughs> Borbert. Okay. All right. I think the MAT was a dry run for the SAT. I think that's what that was. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. It's uh, Randy in Minnesota. Hi, Randy in Minnesota. How's life? Hey, now you remember I made the Scotty J sounder. Anyway. Oh, you is this the one we use every day? You made the... the... I, I'm, I am he. Randy, I love that kissy on the lips part, most of hey, all. I, I, well, you know, it's been, I was inspired by you, Scotty. You, you <laughs> I love the having gay sex with you part the most, Randy. I got gay news, too, so this will, could... this will all go hand in hand today. I don't think I... Randy is a gay man. Well, he might be. I don't know. What, not... What's up, sir? How can I help you? I'm really not. I, uh, I got a question. Since I'm not listening to today's show, I have to get on podcast. Is Scotty drinking today? Scotty? No, I've actually done a little bit too much viso, and all the all the sporebird jokes are just coming out of my ears. <laughs> you just a little little oh, jittery. There's, there's worse places they can exit. All right, uh, 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 Rick. Yes. Uh, yes. I had to, I had to break down and be like everybody else and get myself a MySpace because everyone's doing it, right? Yes, yes sir. And and it's I well, why didn't I do it sooner? One thing. Uh, uh, I'm outside as you can hear the uh, airplanes. I'm near the Minneapolis airport. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to stop by and pick up a date later? No, I, no, I don't think so. But uh, 
Rick, uh, how amazing is MySpace? Uh, I, when, when I added the Rick Emerson show and they added me back, randomly they just add you back on your list, right, somewhere. And I don't, I don't know how that works. But you know where the Rick Emerson show ended up? I don't know. Sarah, you have to join in this conversation because I'm not sure what we're talking about. Well, you know, when you your friends, they add you back. Now, is that true? Let me ask you this, Sarah. Is this true? Is it a is it a reflexive thing? In other words, when you add someone as a friend, are you automatically their friend? I think so. No, no, they have to approve you. No, you have to wait. Yeah. So it's so and, just and, because. Hold on a second. So let's just. I want to ask a question. So let's say I sign up, and and Tom is my only friend. I just sign up with the one friend. Now right. let's and so, but I ask Sarah to add me to your friends list. Mm-hmm. I still only have the one friend unless I actively add you, correct? No, so you try to add me, but until I get the email saying so-and-so wants to be added as your friend and I click approve or deny, we're not friends. But I'm saying when I add you, does it then prompt for, for you to add me as well? Well, yeah, well, it sends you the inbox thing, like, would you like to add this person as a friend? So when someone, but you see what I'm saying? No. If I'm on your list, in other words, okay. You can't be on my list unless I'm on your list. So if you and I sign up for MySpace, because this actually is, I've sort of wondered about this. If you and I sign up for MySpace on the same day, a brand new account, let's say we have zero friends. Okay. You and I have zero friends. You add me as a friend so that I appear on your site. It says, Sarah has one friend, and there's my picture. No, I, I can't add you without you approving it. I know, I, I know, I know, I'm saying that. I understand that. I understand that. I don't understand I, what you're asking. I know. That's why I'm trying to explain it. If we have, none of us have any friends. We, okay. we started MySpace the same day. We have zero friends. You say, hey, Rick, do you want to be my friend? I say, yeah. So my picture then appears on your MySpace page. You both become friends Does your Does it automatically then send a prompt asking for you to appear on my list as well? No, it's automatic. To actively do that. It's automatic at that point, right? You're both friends. Picture does, One guy approves, you're both friends. You're yeah. Okay so, okay, so it does work both ways. Okay. Yes, go right. ahead. And so when I added the Rick Emerson show, I, I had added a bunch of people, and and randomly the pictures just show up, and I don't know in what you know, I don't know how it works, but you know where the Rick Emerson show showed up? What? Between Scotty J and and Brandy Taylor. Really? Right next to it. Don't right know who that is. Brandy Taylor, uh, adult adult film star. Brandy Scotty knows who that is. I'm not gonna lie, I, I totally know, know who that is. Uh, uh, Jenna but, Jameson, she's done. No, right? and I know that Sarah thinks I'm being deliberately obtuse. I'm not. I, I think I'm frame. I think I'm phrasing the question badly. Um, also, Sarah, uh, Randy in Minnesota wants to be your MySpace friend. Ooh, okay. I'll look, Randy in Minnesota. Send you a message. He sent you a message. Are you talking uh, about yourself in the third person? Okay, we have no. To, we have to. We have to go now. One last thing. One yeah, last quickly. Thing. When you get on there and you see Brandy Taylor on there, it says Brandy is online. Haven't you ever been tempted, man? Haven't you ever just wanted to send her a little message? Because it's her, man. It's her. Creepy. All right. <laughs> we have to. I'm a big fan of Brandy Taylor, but I think if I find oh, myself. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get to a bathroom stall, sir. Uh, I'm going to the airport. Bye. Bye, now. bye. Okay, there you go. Well, people don't realize now, Brandi Taylor being her assistant. Brandy Taylor is a porn star, and she has a little bit of renown because she looks a lot like Jenna Bush. Is that the fat one? Who's the fat pregnant one? I think that's Jenna Bush. Jenna. Brandy Taylor is a porn star, and the thing is, she looks a lot like uh, the one Bush daughter. Oh, here's Randy. Insert in insert joke here. And so that's why people. So Brandy Taylor looks a lot like Jenna Bush, and so there's this whole this whole back and forth uh, this back and forth thing. All right. And I realize now that that whole line of questioning was pointless anyway, because you know. What does it what does it matter? I mean it really doesn't I guess if I don't uh, I guess if I don't know the technical underpinnings of how MySpace works it doesn't really affect my life at all. Uh Jesus, it's a, this happens every day. It's 12:40. We have to break. Yes. Uh take a break. Come back. More of your phone calls. Scotty J uh will return around the corner. Later on Jim Roop 
Uh, top five songs from this week, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, 1987. Spot the fake metal lyrics and Scott Daly. Stay there. It's Friday. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. that I want to try. But of course I can't do that. I can't spend all my, when my wife is here at home, you know, I can't spend all my time just on the couch in mobile, and then she's out of the country, just spend every night gallivanting around town, hitting one night spot after another. Because then if somebody tells her that, she'll come cut my head off. Here's a great list somebody sent me. Rick, I've compiled this for you, the top five Marvel comic book characters to name your penis after. <laughs> it's really good, too. He's actually sent me the top five Marvel comic book characters to name your penis after, and then the worst five Marvel comic book characters to name your penis after. That's genius. All right, we'll read that later just to amuse ourselves. Uh, here's Scotty J at the uh, Ministry of Truth. Well, under uh, the democracy of George Bush, we're gonna we're gonna finish up on this here. Oregon taxpayers, according to state officials. You had all through the break to prepare that sentence. <laughs> you had like eight minutes to put together that one series of words, and it, it just came out as a complete garbled... I mean, that was just... I was going to say something like, you know, under the dictatorship of George Bush. You know, were probably... you, you were attempted to create comedy on the fly? Yeah, it doesn't really work. Okay. But state officials have said that the next kicker refund for Oregon taxpayers will be the largest in state history. The refunds to individual taxpayers are expected to total more than $1 billion, or about 19% of each person's taxes. So those should be mailed in December. Uh, the median money or the median income will be about 297 bucks a piece. Moving right along, uh, less than two hours after a judge struck down Iowa's decade-old gay marriage ban, two Des Moines, Iowa men applied for a marriage license as bride and groom. Oh, is this uh, is this sound? Do we have sound on nope. this? Uh, well, have we reached the sound Maybe section? I've found a story that you have over here. Well, is the well. Iowa story? Oh, Does the yeah. Iowa story have Because I have that. You well, know you're what? right. Let's, go about, let's, let's move over to this right now. I'll, that is I'll, I'll finish that. <laughs> mighty wide of you, considering I spent about 45 <laughs> minutes today assembling uh, news sound. Did the same thing yesterday, by the way. You didn't use any of it, so thanks for that. Well, good thing Scotty got here at a early 1040. Seriously, and what is that? <laughs> This is, let me just say this, I don't, not to tell tales out of school, but so Scotty was having this whole psychic meltdown yesterday, but I'm never going to get it all done! And he's, you know, and he's having to do Tim's News, having to do Tim's News in the afternoon, and the podcast, and the whatever, just constantly complaining yesterday about how much he had to do and how little time there was. Scotty gets to work at 10.45 this morning. By ah, 10.40. Let me Come tell on. you this, by the time you got here, I had been sitting in this chair, not to be all about how, what a hard Steve. worker I am and so forth, but by the time you got here, I had been in this chair for 40 minutes assembling sound for your news. Assembling your news sound for you today. Wow. Well, let's use some of so it. So thanks for not using any of it yesterday <laughs> and waiting until 12.51 in the noon hour to uh, use some of that today. So thanks for that. 
So let's. <laughs> I have. I believe well, I have some uh, of the Iowa sound. Okay. Well, I I can lead you right up to the right, to where so it's me, supposed to be. be another, let me just load this. That's what the dinging sound is. I load this news sound. Okay. Go ahead. Supporters of the gay marriage bans have suffered a defeat in Iowa, at least temporarily. So, so I don't know if I'm cross-mixing old news with new news, but this came out today and that came out today. So here we are. This is saying that the supporters are in a defeat in Iowa temporarily. Yes, they got a judge ruled it. yesterday. They get stuffed is okay. what they got told. So maybe the two that applied the day after this and that, now the judge says no. So the the Iowa judge ruled yesterday. Okay, that's let's that's yes. Thursday. Okay, today's Friday. Stop speaking. Why don't you try this? Reading. Why don't you pick one news story and just read it in the order it's written? Okay, here we go. You're trying to read two news stories at once. I know. I'm tossing that other one. So just pick the one news story from today, maybe not the one from a couple days ago. Pick the one news story from today because that might have the most updated information. Just take that one Iowa story from today that, you know, I spent this morning preparing. Why don't you just read the words in the order that they're written on the page? Okay, because the so old you can one the, said... The, okay, Scotty. Okay, forget the old put one. Put the old one away. I did. I tucked it. It's Friday. Supporters of a gay marriage ban have <laughs> suffered a defeat in Iowa. I've already read that. So the Iowa judge ruled yesterday that the state's same-sex marriage ban is unconstitutional. The Arizona-based Alliance Defense Fund helps defend gay marriage bans across the nation. And the group's senator legal counsel, Chris Stovall, says the judge's ruling was, quote, revolutionary. In the end, what's different here is that this state court judge was willing to allow special interest groups to trump what's in the best interest of Iowa families and children. Attorneys. Oh, well, you know what side he's on because he felt the need to, name, he felt the need to say uh, families and children. Yeah, you added the children part there. Totally. Later. Attorneys for Polk County. Straight children only. Well, the, the Polk County recorder, Timothy, uh, I guess it's Brian, but it's spelt kind of really weird, have already pledged to appeal the ruling to the Iowa State Supreme Court. The lawsuit was filed by the six same-sex couples who were denied marriage licenses in 2005. That is a proposition that not even the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court uh, found when it legalized same-sex marriage in that state. In other words, not even the Massachusetts High Court found that the fundamental right to marriage includes same-sex marriage. What a fundamentally joyless man he sounds like. Jesus, he's got to be a world of fun in the sack. You know, I really noticed that most of the people who are opposed to, uh, you know, to, to gay sex and to gay marriage are really the kind that I can't fathom anybody find attractive, finding attractive anyway. They really just sound like the most off-puttingly joyless and unattractive people. See, there you go. Going, what, a, what an unpleasant. I mean, I don't really know much about Iowa. I've never been to Iowa. The God, God willing, I'll never pass through the borders of Iowa. The only exposure I have to Iowa is the few people I've met who once lived there, who came from there or something. It just sounds like, A, a fantastically unappealing place to spend your life, and especially if you're gay. I mean, really, I can't fathom what it must be like. I mean, the, the probably the vast number of corn-fed Iowa farm guys who maybe walk around shirtless, you know, during the day notwithstanding. I really can't imagine a less pleasant place to be gay than right there in one of the notches on the Bible Belt. It just seems seems like a really bad way to spend your gay life. Well, the Alliance, <laughs> sorry, the Alliance Defense Fund senior legal counsel Chris Stovall says he disagrees with the judge's ruling that the fundamental right to marry is violated when the same-sex couples are unable to marry. So, yeah, so there anyway, you go. Well, his opinion is unimportant because he got told to go pound it and to uh, to go suck one by the Supreme Court. So, fantastic. So, since we're on the uh, subject of uh, news with sound, we'll just continue here. 
More than 40,000 people are expected to celebrate in the northern Nevada desert this weekend at the annual Burning Man Festival as it continues. The eccentric uh, countercultural event uh, celebrates self-expression. This year's festival also celebrates being green in the environmental sense. Anti uh as opposed to what? As opposed to the mold covered sense? As opposed to the, the reptilian Kermit strumming a banjo sense. Or being green from possibly drinking too much and uh, uh dying from your own vomit. Um okay. Angie uh, Angie Dykma with Friends of the Nevada Wilderness says seventy five volunteers will help preserve the local wilderness. Is her name really Angela Dykma? Yeah, How's it to, spelled? I really had to look at it several times to, to make sure I was saying it right. How is it spelled? D-Y-K-E. Okay. Never mind. All right. What is it? What is oh, it? Wait down? a second. It's Dykema. 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 With friends. Well, she's uh, 75 of her. You were doing so well. You know, the first <laughs> 45 minutes. I, was, I gave you the finger on the audio there. The, I think I speak for both Sarah and myself when I say that yesterday and then for the first half of this news hour, you were doing really well. It's all That's because I didn't apart. have to read. Ah, that is true. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is your Achilles heel. They're incorporating a green man theme for green this year's event. And green they man. are also doing this restoration project. And the Incredible Hulk will be there to sign autographs. Sorry. Volunteers will help put up a fence to protect the sensitive dune outside of Reno and, and will work to erase off-road vehicle trucks to discourage future illegal ATV riders from entering the wilderness area. The Burning Man Festival will conclude Saturday night and Sunday morning with the traditional burning of a giant wooden man. Now, I wonder if he's green or if it's green wood even that they're burning. The Burning Man Festival begins in 80, or it began in 86 in San Francisco. It's now held in what's known as Black Rock City complete with its own temporary post office. We'll also be erasing some off-road vehicle tracks to discourage future use. And we'll be looking for campfire rings and burned areas. Now, somebody told me, I don't know if this is true or not, somebody told me that it already got, the guy already got burned, that a yeah. vandal broke it, which I kind of think no, is but they're cool rebuilding it and then burning it again tomorrow. Really? I think that's well, That's where my other, uh, my other employer is. Oh, uh, is she's a Burning Man? Mm-hmm. Have you been there? Seems like a thing no. you might have. See, I, people look, like I know, like wearing a lot of. I know they're like, stinking hippies. People wearing a lot of saran wrap and like touching me while on hallucinogenic, like hallucinogenics. <laughs> but now wait a second, no clothes time. on and just pure saran wrap and hallucinogenics? Is it like a like a? Uh, people are nuts there. It seems like. What are you trying to say, Scott? Are you trying to say is it like a sex thing? Well, no, not that, but like the. Are you asking if there's going to be swinging, Scotty? Because if you want to know, you can just ask. No, like the the Woodstock events, those type of. Is it like something like that? Well, it's what? a bunch of it's a bunch of hippies who are high and in painting each other's bosoms. I mean, that's really what it is. It's a lot of art people too. I mean, some people go for the art thing. Some a lot of people go just to do a lot of drugs and wear like just like fairies and dance around seeing each other with No, them. see I'm happy to hear that you've never gone, but in a weird way I thought that it's a thing you might have gone to once for the I experience. Would, I would go. For the experience. Just just to say you've kind of been there. Mm-hmm. because it's Just sort to of actually a, see it because it just sounds ridiculous. Because it's sort of a happening. I mean, it's a thing. I don't think I could bring myself. I think La, Lara, at one point a few years ago, when we first met, she had said that that was like on her list of things she wanted to see just because she wanted to see, I think like, like you said, she wanted to see just what the deal was about. She's like, I want to know what it's all about. Um, and I know that this is just the most cliched statement on, on earth, but I wonder if it's, if it's just too commercialized now to even mm-hmm. get... Although I guess to this day, I guess they don't allow vending uh, booths of any kind. I guess they're, I guess, uh, is it Burning Man I'm thinking of where they actually don't allow financial transactions? 
I think it might be Burning Man. I'm thinking of where they actually do not allow buying or selling of things. Did you ever see the Malcolm in the Middle when they went to Burning Man? No. It was hilarious. I do think it is great, though, in a weird performance art kind of way that a guy snuck in and burned the uh, the, the big guy, the, the Burning Man, the effigy or the whatever it is, uh, before before it was supposed to be. I think that's kind of great. I mean, in a weird, because it, uh, it does seem like a festival where it's all about doing your own thing and some sort of weird, quasi sort of keysified uh, anarchy. So the idea that a guy just decided to take his own brand of anarchy and like, like burning the thing in like the first ten minutes of the festival—that is pretty great. And the fact that they're rebuilding it to burn it again kind of sucks in a way. That that sort of seems like now you're contriving it. You know what I mean? It seems like part of the Burning Man ought to be Zen. Let the burning happen mm-hmm. when the burning happens. Well, yes, not? but th- there's no reason to be there anymore since it's already burnt down. Yeah, it's but like, that's, all that's, just that's the drugs haven't run they're out. They're just yet. there to get high. That's the thing. They're there to get, you know, and can I say this? And look, I don't mean to sound like I'm like a curmudgeon, and I really don't think this is an age thing. I think this is like Sarah and I, I think Sarah and I are kind of on the same plane with many of these things. I don't think it's a curmudgeonly thing. I think it's just what slice of the culture maybe you come from and what appeals to you and what doesn't. It, but there is this thing. Uh, not just in my generation, but I think in every generation post uh, the 60s, where every generation feels this need to like create their own Woodstock and, and to sort of recycle someone else's culture and recycle happenings of the past as opposed to kind of creating your own thing. And at Burning Man just sort of feels that way to me. And I'm looking, I've never been there, so maybe I'm really wrong about that. And there's probably a lot of listeners who get irritated because they go or they're into it or whatever. It just seems like very much my generation's latest attempt to try to co-opt something that the baby boomers did. Well, it does seem kind of like an interesting melting pot of people because, I mean, like, for example, the woman I work for is, you know, very intelligent. She's a, you know, a very, like, structured, um, well-put-together businesswoman, but this is what she looks forward to, you know, at all year, every year. She's part of the, like, the uh, Portland Cacophony and does all kinds of weird... Is that like the Project Mayhem thing? Yeah, that's like the SantaCon thing that I did. Right, okay. Uh, so they do, like, all kinds of, you know, those strange, bizarre, wonderful Portland things. Did you hear Roop say how hot it is in California yesterday? I can't imagine how hot it is at this festival out in the middle of the the desert. desert. Oh, it's got a... Yeah. Where is it at again? Where it's like it near Reno. No, near Reno. Some dude in the middle of there. nowhere. Oh, yeah, that's and, and suck. yeah. Do they have a band or anything like that? Or uh, it's, it's yeah. thousands no, and it's thousands really? of people. It's huge. Yeah, I mean it, it, it expands is. for miles. I mean you can't go there without a form of transportation. I wonder why they didn't send Jim Roop to that. That would just be. His oh, that's an interesting. Kid, he job. would be in hell. That's he a great idea. Been, he's always been set to stuff. Like no, that. that is a great idea. Hey, you know, Jim, because he would just, you, you know, he would just despise that. <laughs> sit in his car with the air conditioning on. I mean, off. oh no, <laughs> sit in, just sitting there cursing the stupid hippies. I mean, I think that that would be. He even probably, as much as he'd hate it, he would probably recognize what a great idea that is. Just because, you know, we're going to talk oh, to him in like nine minutes. It. So yeah, we should totally do that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, yeah, hey. Um... I'm a teacher. Yeah. And I just I just need to set straight. It is harder to be a teacher now than it ever has been. But even though, and again, I'm not trying to be flip about this. Even though everybody apparently just passes regardless of how stupid they are. They well they, um, I think it's been years and years since anyone has ever like failed, and you couldn't go on to third grade because you failed second grade. I mean, everybody's just promoted. But the hoops that you have to jump through and the the misalignment of state benchmarks versus report cards city to city, district to district, everything like that is so crazy and out of sync that it's just mind-boggling how hard it is to juggle. Do you uh, do you teach private or public? Public. Do you wish you taught private? No. Um, no, um, just because I, I think they're still held to the same standards. I don't know that they're judged, on obviously, on federal 
for federal funding or anything like that. But. Let, me, let me ask you a question, and this is the sort of thing I, I kind of wonder about, because the, the, one of the things, I think one of the, the big distinctions that the average American draws between a private school and a public school and I think a lot I went of, to private school, by the way. And okay, and so and, and so did I. And then I went to a public high school, so I, I kind of had a little bit of both worlds. And Sarah's sort of the same. Um, is I think a lot of people when they think of the difference between public and private school, the first thing they think of is class sizes. The second thing they think of is, I think people have this idea that if you're in a par- private school and the kid acts up, you can just belt him in the face until he obeys. Uh, whereas in public school, like if you're in public school, and I don't know what grade you teach, but if you're in public school and there's some teenage kid or whatever obnoxious, he's an a-hole, he won't do his work, he's disruptive, he's whatever. I, I mean, what, what do you, I mean, you obviously can't put your hands on a kid at this point, so what do you do if there's some kid acting up in a public school who just won't be made to behave? I mean, at some point, somebody has to, like, come and physically remove kids from class if they're just not going to, I mean, if they're not going to play nicely with others. So what what do you do? What happens? Well, you know, you call the counselor, you call the principal, or, or you know, or if you're uh, teamed up with somebody, you might just, put them in another room for a timeout, and I hate that phrase, but that, that's kind of what it is. You know, you remove them from the class if they're so disruptive. Your goal as a teacher is maybe this kid is a more kinesthetic, quote-unquote, learner, and so you have to find an activity that might appeal to his sensi- or her sensibilities a little bit more than someone who's more of a linear, concrete thinker who can sit down and actually do an assignment. You know, can I just say this, and, here's, and this is just my dime store philosophy as just some moron who didn't even go to college, but I will say this. I think one of the big problems we have with education in this country is we have this idea that everybody, and I know this sounds terrible, but we have this idea that everybody is like college material. And we have the idea that everybody is really meant to get a lot of education and to go off and get a white-collar job. And, you know, that is not true. I mean, you look at other countries, like European countries, you know, you hit 15, 16, maybe you stay in school, maybe you don't. Maybe you go off and you do, you know, you become a skilled uh, worker, you do some kind of blue-collar work, a manual labor job. In America, this whole notion that everybody is meant to go all the way through high school and meant to go all the way through college, which I think is just, you know, which is just flawed. It seems like there's a lot of people who are just really not mentally set up just from go. They're just not meant to be students. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely I absolutely agree. And the fact of the matter is I wish you could boil it all down to just enthusiasm and creating a curiosity in the kids. And, and, and you know, the curiosity, if you are just enthusiastically creating this sort of sense of wonder in the kids and nurturing that sense of wonder, and I'm not trying to sound all touchy-feely, warm fuzzy, but that'll the learning will take care of itself if you're just constantly saying, yeah, and and and, and, and and promoting a sense of wonder and exploration. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and I think, uh, I mean, everybody has the story of, like, the teacher that was great or the teacher that really inspired them to see the stars or the whatever. And I think beyond that, there's just, you know, there's kids who uh, find stuff interesting and want to learn, and there's kids who don't. And, uh, you know, everybody likes to think that their kid is, you know, could be president of the United States and is going to be a winner, but the reality is the odds just aren't. The world really is a bell curve, you know. A lot of really dumb people, few really smart people, everybody else kind of in the middle. Absolutely, and um, and I, you know, again, I'll go back to it. It, It's because our society as a whole doesn't recognize that piece of common sense. Yeah, well, you're not allowed to to be a teacher, and you're not allowed to say it either. You're not allowed to go look. Your your kid is just not going to cut it. Your your kid's not going to make it. Uh, I'll tell you this: I I have a master's degree, right? And I I look back at the work I did in like fourth grade. My mom saves it and says, "Hey, look at this little paper that we had on our refrigerator." And if I was a even a teacher today, if I saw this kid's work, i.e. me at nine years old, um, 
I would go, geez, I worry about this kid. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think everybody arcs out at a different pace, too. That is true. That is, no, that is true. All right, my friend. Thank Have you. a good day, man. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, we'll continue here on KCMD Portland. We'll talk to Jim Roop here in a while. We'll break. We'll do Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics. Uh, Scotty J, why don't you do uh, one more here? We'll get some calls. We'll talk to Roop here in just a moment. Well, apparently global warming is going to be at its greatest this coming winter as climatologists forecast a very wet, cold, snowy winter. Oregon, yes. Scotty J, yes or no, do you believe in global warming? I believe that the planet goes through seasons. I can, You know, the funny thing <laughs> is, I can hear you referencing something you saw on Fox News at one point and, like, trying to, trying to recite it word for word. It's like I can look into your head and I can actually see you flipping through the pages of, like, some USA Today that you read in a bathroom stall recently. Go ahead. Does it sound like this, 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 in there, there, there? Oh, sorry. I'm going to start giving you a timeout. I think that's really going to be the only way we're going to start solving this spore-birding of yours. I think that when you insist on trying that... to be funny it, like this, we're, we're going to have to start... It, it... Please to be explaining spore-birding for those of you who don't know what we're talking uh, about. Oh, I think everybody who just heard that knows what we're talking about. I think what we're going to do is the Teeny Gather Celebrity Stool is going to go in the corner. And you will then sit on the stool in the corner. I won't make you wear a hat, but we will have you... Oh, I'll bring my ho- uh, Pope hat from the soapbox derby. There you go. And we'll have you have you put on the, the the Pope hat and sit on the stool in the corner of the studio for five minutes every time you attempt to be funny like that, and it just fails. And eventually, it'll just be sort of a Darwinistic thing, where eventually the, the bad humor will be winnowed out of you. Or eventually, I'll Taking just away. spend all my time in the corner, apparently. Or, yes, well, see, so we win either way, don't we, Scotty? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, uh, first off, I was thinking that uh, we should uh, bring back the F map in the form of an F, Scotty. And uh, also, uh, being from Iowa, um, I want to say it sounds like uh, you take where you grew up in Kennewick, you know, with people like your dad, and you subtract the nuclear waste and add hog manure, and you pretty much got the same thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but I, I can't tell from the tone of your voice whether you're being sarcastic or not. In other words, is Iowa exactly what I think it is? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I, I moved out here six years ago, and my family's like, so when are you moving back? And I'm like, uh, probably never. Yeah, well, you know. hey, enjoy your lives. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, uh, I, all I know about Iowa is, again, a few people I know. I, I had some childhood friends who were from Iowa, and uh, my friend Ryan is from, um, is, is Decatur in Iowa? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and so he's from Decatur, and he just, you know, every time I talk to him about it, he doesn't actually even ever refer to it as Iowa. If you ask him about his home state, it's not Iowa. It's always effing Iowa. Where are yeah. you from, effing Iowa? He's just, it's like he's so angry. He's just standing. It's like in his head, he is always standing on a mountain like Ronnie James Dio, cursing the heavens for having placed him in Iowa at birth. Well, it's like, the funny thing about it, it's like you go back and visit. I try not to go back very often. I inevitably get back there every year or two. Yeah. And it's like going back in the time warp. You know, it's like, uh, you know how they say, like, fashion in, like, New York's always, like, a few weeks behind London? Yeah. Well, I was always a few years or maybe a decade or so behind anywhere else in the free world. I have you know, lived in places th- like that, yeah. They're still mullets. You know, um, yeah, it's 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 just uh, yeah. Salt Lake City is the same way. In Salt Lake City right now, it's about 1995. Yeah, that's exactly when I was last in Iowa. It was probably mid 90s. Excellent. All right, my friend. I'm glad you made it out. Don't ever go back. Oh, I won't. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, there you go. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson. Show. Hello. Hey, Rick.
Rick. Actually, hey. I called the comment on the Burning Man deal, but yes, you actually started a thought with the teacher that you had on the phone and didn't quite finish it, and I totally agreed, which was I think that higher learning and some of the learning that some of these stupid little crafts are getting now should be more of a privilege rather than a right. And, uh, I mean, it's not even that. I mean, I, first of all, I will say this. Uh, this is another cue for Scotty to tell me that I'm a socialist. Um, I do think college ought to be free if you're smart enough and if you qualify. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, Scotty, I'm already getting this stink eye from Scotty about that. But look, Scotty, let me clarify, too. I am a staunch Republican. No. I, I do. I believe that college ought to be free simply because we cannot constantly lecture. I mean, because look, what do we tell every single child? What do we tell every child in the country? You've got to get a college That's degree to make something of yourself. We tell them it's crucial. Well, if we're going to say that something is crucial for life, then you know, then we ought to be funding it. On the other hand, we I can't do fund our own schools in Oregon, let alone the college. And I well, and they, see, the thing is to counteract that though. I do believe. That uh, that I don't think going to school ought to be mandatory once you hit like 16. I think once you hit 15 or 16, I think you ought to do because I think that's the way it is actually in England. I think when you hit 16, you are free from the obligation to go to school, and if you wish to go to school, uh, you may. But if you wish to go out and get a job and start working, you can do that as well. And you know what? Not everybody is cut out to be a student, and not everybody is cut out uh, to sit in geometry class. Well, day. you can drop out of high school still at 15, 16. Can you right? do that here? Can I you? believe so? I yeah. I don't know about that because I remember having the hugest fight with my parents, and I don't know if I've ever told the story in the air, issue. but I had the single most, I mean, you hear that phrase, knockdown, drag out fight. When I was about 16, I had, and my mom still references, still brings it up every now and again, I had the worst fight, uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday, the worst fight of my life uh, with my mom, and I think my dad was still around at that point. Um the worst fight of my life with my mom because I wanted to drop out of school and get my GED, and she and she wouldn't let me do it. And she just she dug in her heels and she refused to let me drop out of school. And I was just, I was just I was furious with her. Is for, that what I you didn't did? Speak to, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. I mean, no. I stayed. I went. To, I kept going to school. She talked me out of it, and uh, you know she wouldn't let me do it. And then by the time. Uh, by the time I think I was able to drop out of school, I didn't. Um, I then it was so close to the end that I just stayed in. But I didn't speak to my mom for like four months. I didn't. I st- I, w- I would go to school. I would come home. I would go to my room. I would shut the door, and I wouldn't talk to her. And I went for probably three or four months, and I wouldn't talk to my mom because I was so angry that she wouldn't let me drop out of school because I hated it. I hated it with everything in me. Just despised it. There's zero shame in the GED because typically you're going to a college to get that anyway. Your high school so diploma stupid anyway. When has anybody ever asked you? Just, just when has anybody ever said, "Show me your high school diploma before I'll hire you"? No. Well, they ask on every application, are you a graduate of high school, and have you had any college? You know, but I have a friend who is has is very successful in what he does, never went to college, and wrote that he went to a very prestigious university, really? and they never checked on it. Do I know who this is? I think you might have, have met Have I them. met this person? I think you might have met them at some point. And this person, uh, we won't give any details, but this person uh, claims to have gone to a big-name college? Yes. That's so great. When, in fact, they he went to college, asked. yeah, he went to college, um, yeah. People do the same thing with their high school You know, degree, I have a though. fake diploma from the University of Utah. Well, I had a friend of mine graduating from the University of Utah. And, you know, the thing is when you go down, you go down and you shake the dean's hand and he hands you the diploma and you turn and you smile. Well, they didn't have the regular diplomas there, so it was just a mound of blank diplomas. Uh, That's how it is for everybody. So, so I told them my friend Todd and I stole like ten of them. <laughs> and so I have and I had a friend of mine who does calligraphy, like right Rick Emerson. So it says that I have it says that I have like a like a master's in something what? or other. I went through Mount Hood, and they did the I same thing. I should mount that in my office. It's because they typically mail your real one to you. Yeah. 
That's so. They, they at the ceremony, it's usually just a bunch of blank pieces of paper. Because how could they keep them all? At, you know, they don't know who they're going to totally. call. Totally, no, next. no, no. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't. I forgot you were there. So uh, what was so? But yes, about the college and blah 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 and the GED. What was your other point? Well, the Burning Man thing. I think it's ironic, or not ironic, but laughable that they're actually having a cause now, and they're masquerading just a big hippie fest to go out and get stoned and drunk and whatever else. I mean, that's all it ever has been. Call it what it is. Uh, uh, the, the stone fest, <laughs> the hippie exactly. grope fest. fest. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I can. And here's the other thing. And I, you know, why does everything have to have a cause now? I well, don't get that. Really, let's just throw a party to have a party. Well, I mean, the, right. and it doesn't why always have to have? be. And it doesn't always have to be art either. That's the thing about Burning Man that they get. It's a, it's a festival of art. I mean, it's not art. It's you know, boobs and drugs. I mean, it's just Some leave it at that. Fell into a fire, dropped a GI Joe guy in, or whatever. They called it Burning Man, and it's an accident. And here we are now with this. And I just don't understand why they have to have a cause. I don't understand these kids Go and their rock and roll. Go get dropped and stoned in oh. the desert and leave us alone. Thank you, sir. Bye. Right, bye. You can zoom in and see the man. Oh yeah, is this from David Kraus? Yeah. He just sent this to me. It's oh, a, that's awesome. It's Burning Man on Google Maps. That is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to anybody, you know, people getting together and doing whatever. I mean, do drugs, have sex, drink, listen to, you know, sets of different fire, music, whatever. But the idea that it's somehow like, that it's some weird piece of performance art just sort of annoys me. Or like Farm Aid, for instance, and Willie Nelson gets all rich off that and pulls himself out of debt. I don't know that that's true. I think, well, I, think guess, I think it's a little revisionist history. He has there. a place in Maui. I don't know that. Well, Willie Nelson has a place in Maui because Willie Nelson has sold more records than anybody you know. Um, I don't believe that. I, Farm Aid was not used to get Willie Nelson out of debt with the IRS. <laughs> I think it was. It was, it was. Stop it. Stop it now. Uh, what are we doing? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Freaking, Hello. Look at the big compounds. Hi. 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 Uh, we're listening to 970 AM KCMD Portland Solid State Radio. Uh, but Scotty, the uh, the phrase would probably be silenced or mute Scotty in the corner with a dunce cap or something instead of that. Right? I wasn't going to say a dunce cap because that seems unduly harsh. But we have a Pope hat we can make him wear. This way, man. I'm one of Scotty J's biggest fans. Scotty J is great for the show. He's not great for the news. I'm going to put it lightly. Yeah, okay? in your face, Scotty, and he's your biggest fan. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, I think this is Jim Roop, so we'll get him here in just a few. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, I, you know, with Scotty, instead of uh, sending him into the corner, why don't you get one of those electric shock collars they use for dogs and you get a little jolt every time he has a scoreboard? We really have thought about that. Or maybe one of those citronella collars that you give your dog and it puts out a little puff of citronella whenever they bark. Yeah. Um, we've thought about that. My friend Siegfried has one of those. I have a citronella collar. Really? Mm-hmm. Zigfried has the has the shock collar. Oh, you have a shock collar too. I have a shock. I can mail you the shock collar. I mean, really? Would you? My, my dog doesn't need it anymore. Now, uh, now it doesn't cause permanent damage, of course. Uh, <laughs> no, my dog was already stupid. All right. Um, how have you? Uh, I mean, have you felt it? Do you know what it feels like? Yeah. Does it hurt? It feels like electric fence on ten. Uh, so like on a, uh, how much would you say? I mean, is it a pain or is it just more of a weird? Because sometimes, like I, when I was a kid, I grabbed an electric fence because my cause my older my older brother told me to when I was like three. He's like, grab that. I'm like, all right. Um, it didn't really hurt so much as it was just a weird, awkward, unpleasant sensation. What would you say the shock collar feels like? Uh, it hurts. Okay, excellent. So can you send that to us? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll put it in the mail. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Hey, uh, but but the uh, the button online sticks a little, so you might have to pound the remote a few times to get it to stop. <laughs> or Scotty, you'll just have to start being funnier really fast. Yeah, pretty much. Thank you.
All right, we'll get these other calls here in a second. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. Seeing it radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. Hi, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, thanks. So uh, we're going to be getting a shot color, apparently. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, Scotty, Scotty has this whole thing where we have this, we've learned this with Scotty that he can only be funny when he's not trying to. Uh, when he, uh, you know what I mean? When um, when he tries to be funny, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he doesn't think of it, you know what it is? It's like many things, uh, you know, if you, f- if you focus on it, it's not going to happen. You've just got to relax and let it happen naturally. Don't right. stress out about just it. Just like finding love. Exactly, just mm-hmm. like that. So uh, anyway, so we're uh, so we're gonna get that. Hey, so you, I hate to just go into another thing about the heat, but is it actually? Um, does the the California power grid? And I'm so unclear about how power works. The, the I recently read this book, um, The Bronx is Burning, and they talk about that that big blackout that happened in New York in '77. Yeah. And one of the most fascinating chapters in that book was. It's a good story, by the way. Yeah, it's a great, and they talk about that Con Ed blackout that happened. Yeah. And it's fascinating because they do it like a minute-by-minute timeline of how a blackout happens and whatever. And I guess in, do they do these rolling blackouts in California? Doesn't it seem like they know when it's going to be hot and they can just, like, get more power ready or something? Well, you would think, and and right now it's been that way. Back in in, um, in the Gray Davis days, uh, before Schwarzenegger took over, uh, there was a lot of power problems. I mean, power plants hadn't been built in a while. I mean, the, we have more people and more energy demand, yet we were still living 20 years ago as far as the infrastructure goes for power. So the demand, the, we couldn't keep up with the demand. You can't make electricity and put it on a shelf and use it later. It's kind of used as it goes. There are reserves. Don't ask me how that happens if you can't store electricity. There are reserves. And once those reserves dip below 7%, then everybody starts to panic. Now, since... Those, that, that those days, more power plants have been built, and the other ones that have that were built but were uh, bad were all fixed up, if you will, retroed to now, and then uh, we're able to make more electricity and therefore distribute more electricity. Plus, we still get power from Arizona and other places, so now we're able to pretty much handle things. It does seem like of all states, you all ought to be the ones on the forefront of I don't know, like solar energy, solar power. Thank you. Like that. I mean, it's because really, when you think about it, the entire universe is solar powered. You know, people act like it's some weird, unproven, hippy trippy idea, but really, the entire Earth runs on the sun. Yeah, it's called summer. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so I mean, I just don't understand. Has somebody really made a strong push for that down there? No, I think there's too much money in the way it's done now. There's too much money in burning coal, too much money in converting that kind of stuff to energy, that nobody wants to do it. I mean, it's 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 too big a deal, and the lobby's too heavy. Just like gasoline, natural gas, all that kind of stuff. It's the same type of situation, and it will cost a lot of money uh, to switch everything over. But you know what? You're going to have to do it eventually. Anyway, you're going to have to buy that HD TV in 2009. You might as well buy it now. Did you uh, did you ever see that documentary about Enron called The Smartest Guys in the Room? Yep. The, the best part about that was when they were, was it California, there was those wildfires? Yeah, yeah. And those Enron guys are on the phone, like, urging, just like praying for the fire to continue going yeah. on so they can jack grandma yeah. out of the You can hear those money. conversations, it's just great. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to screw some grandmother out of her power bill this month. Yeah. So, Jesus, just, just. But that's be... it. I mean, it's, it, you know, we're, it's, we're, it's, it's a tenuous situation, you know, but what's cool is I was talking with the guys from the power grid yesterday. When, when those alerts come out, when they're saying, okay, everybody, you got, everyone's got their air conditioners on, some idiots running their washing machine at noon, you know, 
the power demand's going up. He, he's Greg Fishman says I can watch it go up. Then we then we issue the stage one alert and ask everybody to conserve, and he can see it almost immediately start to flatten out as if people really heard the news on the radio, and they're actually okay turning this light off right. and that light off. He said it's amazing how you can actually see it. So. He's really thrilled that people are conserving to the point where yesterday when they thought they were going to have to get to a stage two, they didn't even have to declare a stage one yesterday because of the conservation I efforts you, of people. I, I actually, and we don't get hit really hard up here with this kind of stuff. It doesn't get that hot in, in, in Oregon, but I, I am so uh, freaky about making sure that like the power doesn't ever go out in this city because I'm real, I, I deal with the heat real badly. <laughs> it gets above like 85 and I become cranky, I'm angry, I don't get anything done, I just want to lay around and bitch about stuff. So... Whenever it starts to get like that, literally, if I if they even start to whisper about the possibility of power shortages in Portland, I turn off everything in my house and I just sit in the dark by my air conditioner, just sitting there, just just do, doing my part to make sure that my the the cool supply of uh, cold air will not be interrupted at all. That's great. I mean, but if everybody else did that, you would never have to worry. I know. And I the know. problem is, you're sitting there doing your part, and some other guys using three times the amount he should be using. Sons of bitches. Right. Bastards. <laughs> Bastards. All right, so you're all, are you on next week while you're in Atlanta, or are you off? I'm not sure how this is working, right. uh, to be honest with you. Well, in uh, any event, well, travel safe in any event. Uh, I do the best I can. All right, my brother. Well, if you see our good friend Ed down there, give him a hearty oh, you know slap I will. on the back. You know that I will. Tell him and Amanda that we say howdy. I will, man. All right, travel safe. Jim Thank Roof. you, sir. Thank you. There you go, James Roof. And real quickly, before we, uh, before we break here, one email, one story, then we'll break. One email. Uh, then we'll come back at Scotty J at the bottom with news. And uh, let's see. Then we'll do the uh, fake metal lyrics giveaway at Queens, uh, Queensryche uh, 2 CD. Uh, Sign of the Times, the best of Queensryche 2 CD collector's edition, courtesy of EMI Capital. I'm going to get back. Uh, let's see. Rick, about Requiem for a Dream. Uh, oh, it's about Requiem for a Dream and Handmaid's Tale. Because uh, Sarah just saw Requiem for a Dream, and then apparently you would recommend it the Handmaid's Tale to some woman who called up and read it. Yeah. Rick, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream has sat in my entertainment center in shrink wrap for six years. I can no more bring myself to sit and view it based on its reputation than I can to bring myself to set aside time to scrape the skin off my genitals with a potato peeler. Mag no. Magnolia did a great job of depressing me for a while, and I'm wondering, with Magnolia as a comparison base, how much worse is sitting through Requiem for a Dream? Oh, it's far worse. Oh, Mag no, that's not even the same Magnolia is an, Yeah, Magnolia is an Adam Sandler film compared to Requiem for a Dream. And I love Magnolia, don't get me wrong. Dude, it's not even in the same same sport. Not even Requiem for a Dream is it's soul-sucking. It makes you lose your faith in humanity. Yes, yes it does. And it makes you... Depressed, and it, it gives you like a, a clear insight into like crazy people you see walking down the street, or just like neighbors, perhaps. Yeah. How much did you never want to do drugs ever, ever, ever? Oh for my that god. Movie? And I mean, the thing and it's not even, and it's not just the heroin part. I mean, it's actually like prescription drugs. Like it's not, yeah. it's not something that is. Um, it's too far from the truth. Like you can actually see it happen, which is why it's so awful. The great thing about Requiem for a Dream, uh, based on the Hubert Selby novel of the same name, is that it. In the wrong hands, that movie would have been really luxury and preachy and over the top, and it would have just seemed... Because if you think just about the final ten minutes of that film, and then you think about the beginning, it ends on just such an unbelievably over-the-top, dark-down ending, which I'm not giving anything away. You oh sort of see it coming the God. whole time. Well, it's different in the um, rated one, right? Uh, well, it's just a little... Um... A little less graphic? Yeah, there's no... Um... 
You don't Maryland, with the Maryland. two the two the two butts. You don't see that. Oh old. my God! Made uh, <laughs> <Babe> Marion. <laughs> All good people. And Keith David. I'm not taking it out of her air, sweetheart. Uh, the, uh, what was I saying? But, but it is a very logical progression. In other words, the movie starts at A, and it ends at Z, and Z is like a million miles away from A, but he gets you there logically every step. Like, you can, you, you buy. You can see you how it happens. It. Yeah, you buy it. Hook, line, and sinker. Like, it doesn't, it is not a leap of faith. Uh, by the time you get to the end of the film, even though it has just gone so beyond what you could possibly imagine happening... You you don't ever doubt it. I mean, it's absolutely convincing and realistic. I mean, and I'm I've never done heroin, but it does seem very 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 possible. So um, yeah, no Magnolia, no Magnolia can't hold a candle. Magnolia at least, even though it's kind of a downer film, it does have some good stuff. The John C. Riley stuff is 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 sort of uplifting. That whole I can tell you one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in a film is that whole sequence in Magnolia where they sing uh, that uh, the the Amy Mann song. Um, they all just start, and then it comes, Magnolia's a great film, but I mean, mm -hmm. anyway. He says, oh, by the way, you were talking about The Handmaid's Tale, just those words make me feel disgusting, because when I was 12 years old, the movie was out on VHS, my parents rented it, and I was bored, <laughs> so I sat and watched it. The surrogate sex scene was so creepy and uncomfortable, it stuck in my head for 15 years. Oh, I didn't know there was a movie. Yeah, Robert Duvall, you haven't seen that? No. Robert Duvall, who's the guy, and, they, and he has sex with his wife through a hole in a sheet. I, I remember that part of the book. Yeah. Mm. That movie is so. It, the movies I which I I mean. Is the movie good? No, I mean it's okay, but the book it's how could it possibly be in the book? The book, The Handmaid's Tale, which again I, I in turn have to thank my wife for turning me onto that. I The Handmaid's Tale just stunned me when I read it, and people might think it's a chick book, but it's not. Mm -mm. It, it's not a chick book at all, told from the point of view of a woman, but not a chick book in any way. Uh, really, if you are a fan at all of, of that kind of, of... Of, like, 1984. 1984, all this Huxley-type stuff. Um, yeah, Hammond's Tale is great. Uh, final thing, we got a break. Sarah, how much money would you guess Britney Spears, all things being equal? In other words, when she doesn't have a movie or just whatever, her day-to-day, -day or, you know, just her average month. How much do you suppose Britney Spears makes in a month? When she's not doing anything? Meaning if you were to average it out. When, when something big isn't happening, like take away when she has a big record coming out or when she's just, uh, you know, signed some, you know, to get a bonus from something or other. Her average monthly income. Monthly. Um, like 80000 Is that your final answer? I think the time, I think enough time has passed that I can use that phrase now and not have it sound like I'm trying to be cheesy. Uh -huh. um, but is that your final guess? Uh, a month. Like, I don't know, 150? Britney Spears' thousand? monthly salary. You're guessing 150000 Yes. Britney, uh, let's see. Let me just read this here. Britney Spears makes $737,000 a month. Are you kidding? Now? No surprise that pop star Britney Spears brings home the bacon. According to the latest court papers... Filed in her custody battle with ex-Kevin Federline and obtained by the New York Post, Spears earns more than $737,000 a month. While Kevin Federline makes nothing. Attorneys for Federline say he is left with literally zero income after business expenses. Work! <laughs> Don't look at me! It's not difficult. <laughs> That was the whole story was worth it. Am I envy over Britney making that much money is worth it just for that one moment? 
So his attorney is saying they're saying he has zero dollars because he's not doing anything. What kind of argument is that? <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> oh, and that's by the way. He makes zero income a month in spite of the $20,000 a month he gets from Britney Spears. Jeez. By the way, those payments will stop in November. He's asking that Britney pay $150,000 to his legal bills. He's also hoping for 70-30 custody of the young sons. Dream on, friend. The next hearing... It's funny, though, how we keep going... We keep jumping from one camp to another. Because first we thought she was a shoe in for custody. Then she was such an F-up we figured he was going to get it. And now there's just no way. And now he just seems like such a loser. And you, what kind of really? What kind of an argument is that to get custody of your children? I can't manage twenty thousand dollars a month. It's just it's all gone. The next hearing is uh, September seventeenth. There you go. Seven hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars a month. All right, we should take a break. We'll come back after this. Scotty J around the corner, and we will do spot the fake metal lyrics uh, for your chance to win a copy of Queensrÿche Sign of the Times, the two CD collector's edition. Uh, later on, Scott Daly from Film People Radio and the top five songs from 20 years ago this week. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. support this morning after police say a group of men beat him nearly to death. After oh, is this the 7-Eleven guy? Yeah, it is. It's really a shame. And uh, the, apparently these guys came in uh, at the corner of Killingsworth Avenue in North Greeley in North Portland, um, came in wanting to buy some wine, and the store clerk refused to do that. Apparently they were underage, and they just beat the living tar out of Was these last night, support. today, uh, Early this morning. Jesus. You know, the thing, that's a, that's a bad one-two punch. Get the Requiem for a Dream sound, and then the, uh, the 7-Eleven beatdown. You know the thing, and, and I didn't work at a, like a knockoff convenience store. I worked at an actual 7-Eleven. The thing I learned is 
Have no personal investment in the rules at 7-Eleven. If it's 3 in the morning and a guy comes in screaming at you that he wants beer, just give him the beer. You well, know what Alan, I mean? He, the guy's name was, his last name was Alan, I guess. Alan's ex-wife, Mary Carlson, uh, said that he, uh, he's the type of person who would risk his own safety to protect others. Now, I don't know how he's protecting any others if he's the only guy in the store and then there's two people just no, robbing him for one. Seriously, wine, I'm, not, I really, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm saying, really, it's not worth it, man. Guy comes in, he wants some beer. Give him the beer. If you, know you want I mean? the keys to the store, here you go, Let's, dude. I'm, I'm earning less yes, than minimum sorry. wage here. I'm making $4 an hour. In fact, I'll help you carry it out if you don't kill me. Let the Wookiee win. That's the uh, that's the moral of this. So Jesus. the sad part is uh, I'm trying to be a hero. and uh, Yeah, don't. Yeah, I mean, look, I, again, I'm not trying to criticize the guy, but I'm just for anybody. There's, there's jobs worth being a hero over, and then there's jobs that ain't. And that falls into the ain't category. So, yeah, don't, don't do that. Jesus. Well, on an up note here, uh, veteran stars are going to help out Jerry Lewis this weekend with the Labor Day telethon. Well, of course it is. Labor Day. I forgot all about that, actually. Something we totally, where is that? We, we count the days. I don't know if it starts on Sunday and goes through Monday, and I believe that's the case. Where do they air it now? I don't even know where the Jerry Lewis telethon is actually aired. I think aired. it's parts of L.A. and New York, but I'm not positive. No, but, I mean, they air it. Well, that's where it's done, but they air it all across the country. Oh, sure. But, I mean, just so, <laughs> he says this, though. Sounds he knew good. it all along. No, but... Do they? Does somebody here air the Jerry Lewis telethon? Is there a network well, station? It here used to be KPTV Channel 12 here that used yeah. to broadcast it, but I don't know if Fox is doing it now or who who got the bid for that. It's kind of like NFL. The changes. Jerry Lewis telethon, and I make this observation every year, is no fun since he started taking naps. Because the thing is, he didn't <laughs> on the show. No, well, because now because the deal used to be that it was a it was 48 hours, right? It was the all night 48 night, hour, yeah. and he wouldn't go to sleep. He would stay up, um, and he would start at like. Whatever it was, like Friday, like it was like a 48-hour film festival, but it was the 48-hour, you know, uh, M- MS festival. Lewis festival. Or Jerry Lewis. And so he would, uh, they ought to have the Jerry Lee Lewis telethon, <laughs> where he's just on speed the entire time and waving guns around. Um but uh, uh, just screaming yeehaw and well, okay. marrying 10-year-olds. When, when they hit the certain mark of another million dollars, he gets up on the piano keys and stands on something. them. Yeah, Give me a 13-year-old! Um, the, uh, no, but the, the, but the thing with the Jerry Lewis telephone used to be that on Friday night it would start and then he would sign off Sunday night and they would raise however much money. But the deal is that he wouldn't sleep. He would stay awake and on camera, you know, it, unless there was an act performing or there was a band or something, Jerry Lewis would be there on the stage awake the whole time and just, and he was on drugs and he was all strung out during that time period, which is why he was able to stay awake for two days because he was just all just, just speeding out of his mind. Yeah, he was speeding for, totally. the, for the kids. <laughs> Jacking himself up for the kids. <laughs> but as the weekend would go on, he would just start to get more and more loopy and delirious and he would just be sweating and angry. And if the money wasn't even coming in fast enough, he would just lose it and just shout at people. And he would have these, they were great. They really were. Some really great, compelling television in, the, in, in in a way that we don't have anymore. And he it, like it, because he had this real personal stake. I forget what it was. It was like a cousin or something of his that had MS, which is why he cares about it so much. It's like that's his deal is because he had some. Well, he has MS. something himself now that I don't remember what it is, but it's, it's called know. an addiction to Percodan. That's what he has now. No, he actually has some uh, you know health issue that's be, above and beyond he, taking he weighs drugs. Like Three hundred pounds. That's the health issue. But he would stand there, and if the if the if the tote board wasn't rising fast enough. He would just have these long, like, angry, sweat-covered stream of consciousness tirades where he would just berate people. 
I mean, he would just scream angrily into the camera, and you always felt like he was just a couple minutes from passing out. Go to commercial. Switch to local. Quick. Well, but Jerry's on fire. Totally. That's exactly what it was, too, because he would just sit there and go, I don't know. I mean, you just, you just, all you just are not calling in. I mean, just, you, you, I mean. I saw that, too. Little, I've seen little it. Johnny can't even walk. <laughs> I mean, I'm not exaggerating. If you used to watch those, you know. And he would he and he would totally bring out you know call it what it is he would bring out some enfeebled child he would wheel out one of Jerry's kids onto the stage and of course Jerry's kids are all messed up they're all in wheelchairs and they can't you know they can't stand and Jerry and Jerry would be like, you all you have the use of all of your arms and legs and you won't use them to pick up the phone to get money <laughs> to little Jimmy who can't even stand and just like sweat pouring down his face eyes bulging out of his head. And you expected him to go all scanners and for his head to just blow apart. But now it's all done because he's not on drugs and he sleeps. And I tell you what, he's bringing out some heavy hitters this year to help raise money. I mean, some big-time stars. uh, Tony Orlando. Really? The Commodores. How about Maureen McGovern? He's bringing out Maureen McGovern. Is she alive? Who's Maureen McGovern? No, uh, I'm thinking of Maureen. Is she uh, the one that does, I'm not happy? No, she doesn't do that. But she was in that era. Who's the girl from the Brady Bunch? Marine, what? Oh her yeah, yeah. Is that Marine McGovern? No, it's Marine McCormick. Right. Who? What's Marine? Who did? Well, Marine, Marine McGovern was around the Brady Bunch '70s time with some what songs. What did Marine McGovern do? the happiest girl in the whole USA, but that was Dolly Parton, right? No, that was somebody else. Well, whatever. Anyway, also, so the point is now about every nine hours they make sure that Jerry gets a nap, and so it's no longer interesting. <laughs> They're no going to bring out a super superstar Celine Dion too to help raise money. Really. All right. So let's move on to a story that'll. They ought to get a whole choir. Well, never mind. Go ahead. I was just going to say, let's uh, move on. Take a look at this story that a listener sent in. Uh, you want to roll that? It's a, you want to give an intro to this? Well, story, I thought it was kind of funny because uh, this guy was dead on uh, sending this in. Uh, it's about uh, people uh, out of San Francisco right now. The the new craze is to have these whistles installed on your muffler. Is this so, a- as folks drive down the street? It's just whistling. Is it? Really? It's a few years old. All right, it? then uh, I guess we're I bringing, mean, it's it, we're bringing it back since it's Friday. Welcome to the modern era. This is from KRON Channel 4 in San Francisco. The latest rage for kids is driving parents and entire neighborhoods crazy. It's called a whistle tip, and it's welded. I don't know who this woman is, but she's dressed like a female Jerry Spence. Um, she just looks all kinds of weird. This must be a relatively recent story because the scar they're showing is a new PT Cruiser. Yeah, the money shot's at the end with the guy, with one of the neighbors inside a car's muffler to make the car screechingly loud for nearly a mile. Well, tomorrow night, Oakland residents will be complaining officially to City Hall officials. Crown Force Mark Jones Oakland has enough to complain about. Oakland this evening, Mark. Well, Pam, city residents have been told this noise is perfectly legal, so tomorrow they hope to start the process to change the law. Nearly every muffler shop in Oakland is installing whistler tips. It's a piece of metal welded inside the exhaust pipes that makes the car audible for almost a mile. Tell me about the whistles. The whistles go woo! Anybody that has it in their neighborhood is going to be totally... <laughs> really? That's good. That that is journalistic news. I Scotty, you, I, where did you find... Is it like a YouTube... I wonder if he was left behind. <laughs> We've driven crazy. It sounds like what? Well, you want to woo-woo. It's that woo-woo. 
It's got woo He's, woo when it goes down the road. <laughs> Oh, you know what I'm saying? Then you got the flows. They didn't trip off the flow masters. They decoration, man. It's just yeah. for decoration. That's, that's it. it and that's all, man. We do it for decoration. You have it on your car? Yeah, I got it on my car. It was being installed on their car. Roxanne Bruns. Really? Okay. Really? The, okay. <laughs> the dumbest story ever. Seriously. I love how the announcer in... comes back and says that. It was being installed on his car. Like these, he couldn't say these, anything else. These guys in Oakland who are putting the whistle inside uh, their muffler or the, the you know the, the exhaust pipe. These are you know they are um, they are California cousins to the guys in my neighborhood who spend all day trying to make their pickup truck and their motorcycle as loud as humanly possible. These, I mean, those get the guy that lives like three doors down from me just sits out there all day with his Bob Seger blaring, trying to make the truck as loud as possible. I will guarantee you, none of these people are in that 49%, Scotty. Can we please stop playing this? Because it's kind of embarrassing. I've had like six emails and people saying, yeah, that's four years old. Well, I didn't find it. Scotty came in during the break. He was like, you got to find When you and I were trying to find the Requiem for a Dream thing, Scotty's like, you got to play this whistle story. It's so, relatable Friday. It's relatable from well, Friday 2003, <laughs> I think is the point. Well, hey, well we're going back in time 20 years for the top five, here's so the, I thought we'd go back four years. Here's the email Scotty sent me. He says, we have, this is the email that Scotty sent me with this link. We have to run the story. Hands down, good news. Play this, Rick, all caps, Scotty. Well, the reason being is, you know, I, yeah. That's some, nobody's fault but your own. You should check that stuff, Rick. I, we, I should check it. That's the thing. It's How kind am of my I going to check it? There's no, no date he sent on you it. a lick? Anyways, a lick. sent me a lick. <laughs> Anyways, these people it's like it a, is, It's a YouTube link. There's no um, there's no date on it. I so. hadn't heard about the whistle thing. Scotty you know, is the quality control person here. Yeah, that's my fault. All right. Are we still moving on with more news? No. Hi, you're on the Rick. Well, not for, not for now, anyways. Stay, stay there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hey. What does GED stand for? Is this going to be an offensive joke? No. Are you I think sure? I know. I think what does I know. it stand for, sir? Good enough, dude. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Bye. Thank you. It's hard to make me laugh, but that's funny. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. This is White Man. Hi, White Man. Hey. I, I, a couple questions. One, when you were when you were talking about the Jerry's Kids uh, telethon, yeah. and you said they should get a choir, were you talking about getting a choir of MS Kids? No, it was something. it was something sort of similar to that. It wasn't that specifically, but that's a good idea, too. Yeah, and then the other thing was, I was just curious, one thing you always say at the beginning of every show, uh, day 12, what's that mean now? This is, I really do have to put this on the fact, because it is really the most frequently asked question. Um, the Welcome to Day 12 is a reference to Bob and Doug McKenzie's 12 Days of Christmas, and they're counting down the, you know, three turtle doves, two magic toques, whatever. But when they do Day 12, during the 12 Days of Christmas, they say, hello, and welcome to Day 12. And that's a thing that I just started saying for no real reason. Thank you. All right, thanks. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hi. Hello? Hi. <laughs> hey, you guys were wondering, uh, Marie McGovern? Yeah. I think she's saying that the, it's got to be the morning after That's song. That's it. Got to yeah. be in the morning after. Yeah, that's the one. I didn't right. like it then, and I don't like it now. <laughs> so much so they <laughs> flushed it out of your brain altogether. All right, excellent. Thank you. See you, Beth. Bye. There you go. All right. Let's do one more, and then um, what, Scotty? One more in the top five, Mouthy maybe? Or, uh, here's a week. Oh, damn, man. Are you kidding me? We're, it's 2 o'clock? I know. Jesus. All I have right. a tendency to throw you off track. Well, Scotty, we're not going to have time for one more. 
sadly. You'll have okay. to come back at 2.30. Sounds good. Here's what we got to get done. Scott Daly's going to join us. Dennis Pittsburgh is going to come pimp his weekend thing. Uh, we have to do these Queen's Right giveaways, and then we got this top five. The Queen's Right giveaways really take precedence. Right. I was supposed to do that today. So I was right. supposed to do it yesterday, but they, they, the audience failed. 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 All right. Uh, do we have to break? Yes. It's probably good. Take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, when we come back, Dennis Pitsenbarger and spot the fake metal lyrics. In fact, let's uh, take caller number five for that now, Scotty J. Just give me this whole horrified look. You don't have to do anything. Just take the fifth caller. Uh, we'll take fifth caller right now uh, for your chance to win Sign of the Times, a two-CD collector's edition of the Best of Queens, right, courtesy of Capital EMI. Take caller number five right now for your chance to uh, to play Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics, 503-733-2970. Stay there. Back after this. Person who likes to work on all holidays. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This email says, Rick, have you got... I think I'm ever so slightly allergic to Muppet. I got kind of a nose itch going on. Maybe that's a little bit of what that is. Maybe it's the soap or something. Yeah, I just watched them this morning. Rick, have you gotten to the list of the best and worst Marvel names that was referred to earlier in the show? I've been waiting but was out of my shop for a bit. Yes, the fact that I've been waiting all day for this list is sad, Tony. Now, that was the uh, that was a great list I haven't done yet. The top five uh, Marvel characters to name your penis after. Also, top five worst names from a Marvel comic for your penis. Uh, we'll do that here in just a few. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Dennis Pitsenbarger. Miles around. Hello, sir. Hello. And uh, how is everyone at the Rick Emerson Show? Fantastic. Guess Beautiful. What, guess what you get to help us do? I uh, can only imagine. Do I, will I be singing in a high-pitched uh, 80s squeal? A, uh, yeah, you get to help with a contest. Sweet. Oh. I want to know uh, this list, by the way, too. I'm, that hooked me hard, and I've been waiting for the list. The penis naming list. Oh, the, okay. Uh, let's uh, let's see. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson. Show who might this be? Hello. Hello. Hi. What's your name, sir? Uh, it's Chris Williams. Chris, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Rick. All right, Chris, are you prepared to play Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics on the line? A copy of Sign of the Times, the two CD collector's edition, the best of Queensryche, 17 hits and favorites from Capital EMI. Are you uh, you ready to play Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics, my friend? I'm as good as I'm ever going to be, Rick. That's good confidence, sir. Uh, all right, so here's the deal. Let me make sure that I've got the uh, the bed here. Where the hell did my Nightwish bed go? Mm, did I put this? Where did I file? Where the hell did I file my uh, my whatnot? Hey, Rick. Uh, pay no attention to me. Yes, sir? Uh, one thing I want to tell you, I, I love listening to you guys, man. I don't know if everybody else is. I live out in Washougal. I don't know if anybody else is crazy enough to listen to you guys, but you guys are really awesome. I love listening to your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, you may be you may be the only one. You may be the only person. <laughs> no, right. I learn a lot from you guys. Really? How, well, you guys, how you guys. sad for all of us. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's how we're gonna uh, here's how we're gonna play our game, my friend. Chris, this is what's uh, what we're gonna do. Dennis Pitsenbarger will perform two sets of heavy metal lyrics Jeez. for you. One set of these lyrics is real, the other set is fake. Now, at the end of this, you must then uh, tell us which was the fake lyric and which was the real lyric. Uh, and if you guess right, you'll get a copy of Sound of the Times, the two-disc collector's edition best stuff from Queensryche, okay? 
Okay. So don't pay any attention to the way he sings it or how he sings it or the order in which he does it. Uh, just listen to the lyrics. One set is real. One set is fake. All right, are you ready with the first set of lyrics? Am I singing this one right here? Well, I mean, look, here's, here's let me put it this way. Here's the page of real lyrics okay. or fake lyrics. Here's the page of real lyrics. Okay. So just pick, just one, pick one or the other. Pick one or the other. Okay. Pick one or the other. All right, are you ready with the first set of lyrics? Okay, I All think right, I am. Chris, Chris, here is the first set of lyrics, which may be real or may be fake. Here's the first set of lyrics. Dennis, you just, uh, anytime you are ready, let me just get this. All right, go ahead. Barely afloat in a Caspian Sea, the vessel rolled over my time to leave. Sharks were surrounding the fog of night. Dark lords welcome that I won't go down for spite. Shark bites and shrapnel, it's all the same. Shark bites and shrapnel, brain down the drain. Shark bites and shrapnel, impaling pain. Shark bites and shrapnel, I won't go down for spite. All right, there you go. That's the first set of lyrics, sir. Now you Sorry will hear about my singing ability there. Now you will now you'll hear a second set of lyrics, and then at the end of this you have to decide which one was real. All right, here's the second set of metal lyrics. Oh, oh, sorry about that. Black knife, oh, excuse me. Black sails knifing through a pinch night, uh, pinchdale night, away from radioactive landmass madness, away from the silver suite of people searching out uncontaminated food and shelter on the shores. No glowing metal on our ships of wood only. Free hazy people naked in the universe. That's all I got. All right, Chris. Now, horrible timing. Improbably, one of those sets of lyrics is real. The other was written by Scotty J. Chris, for a copy of uh, Sign of the Times, the two-disc collector's edition of the Best of Queensryche from Capital EMI, which of those uh, lyrics was real? Oh, the second one. Dennis, he's he's out. Congratulations! Sir, I, I have to give well you a hand. Done. Congratulations! That my was friend. the worst timing, worst metal's voice I have ever even conjured up. Who? Uh, what song and artist was that set of real lyrics, Dennis? Uh, that was Jefferson Airplane, Wooden Ships. There you go. All right, my friend, you won a copy of Sign of the Times, the best of Queens, right? Two City Collectors Edition from Capital EMI. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold, and Scotty J will get your information. Thanks a lot, but I love listening to you. Thank you for listening, my friend. We'll put you on hold. All right. Uh, let's do one more, actually. Let's just do this other one right while we're here. Uh, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? This is Josh from Washougal. Hi, Josh. How you doing, sir? Doing okay. Just working. Oh, uh, excellent. Okay, so here's the deal. So we went to the banks. We took the call, uh, fifth caller twice here. So you are the second lucky uh, fifth caller. And you are going to play Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics with Dennis Pitzenberger. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. Here's how we play our game, of course. We'll uh, give you two sets of lyrics. At the end of that, you must pick which was correct, the other having been written by Scotty J. On the line, Sign of the Times, Best of Queens, right from Capital EMI. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, set of lyrics number one. Dream death, awaken chaos, portal of blood. To the sound of storms as a city and burning lust. Abyss of times, black destiny, a coming of chaos. That's the end okay. of it. Okay. The end. The, the end. Sorry about that. Uh, now no our song is done. All right. Here is the second set of lyrics performed by Dennis Pitzenbarger. In the cell where I wait my death, not to fall, they asked for it. The death did, uh, excuse, the horses did ride and the bullets did fly to get over here, ghost town demise. The hangman cometh to snap off my neck. The town both gathered and murders regret. The hangman cometh, rope curled in sweat. Old West never tame, not to end surprise. Well, then. All right, there you go, sir. Two sets of lyrics. Which of those sets of lyrics was real? Uh, second one. 
Dennis? Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, uh, Scotty J fools another one. What was the uh, What was the uh, the name of Scotty's fake song? Uh, the fake song was Hangman Cometh. All right. What was the artist that uh, that he thought to be fake? Uh, unfortunately, a uh, band I am not familiar with. Sacramentum. Sacramentum. The coming of chaos. All right, my friend. Sorry. Never heard of them. Sorry about that. Thank you, sir. Thanks. All right, we'll uh, try that once more before the hour is over. Dennis Pitzenbarger, hi, how are you? Wow, uh, I have never, you know, this is this harkens back to about, I would say it would be 1985, 1986, when I thought, you know, I could be a rock star. And then it come <laughs> to find out, I can't sing. No, no, but that's not really, you just got to find the right genre. I, th- no, that would, and, and uh, heavy metal that I don't know the lyrics to. You just got to sing for a band called, like, you know, Morbid Demise or something well, with, like, could... some weird caved-in spiderweb logo and, I, you know, where you can just kind of... Well, you know, could... There you go. So, yeah, I mean, you know, genius. Oh, boy. Okay. I know how loud I am, so I know that the microphone is actually probably just barely on, so I can overpower the microphone okay. as much as humanly possible. Processing is designed for people you like Thank you. you. It really Thank was. Uh, what's coming up on the uh, uh, miles around this weekend? Well, we are minus F. Matt Peterson. By the way, you know, I have to have a little talk about that, too. Um, we are, it's a really cool show this weekend. Uh, James and I, the, James, my, uh, my, as I call him, the sexy mother behind the board, and I are going to be just the two of us in the studio talking. We have a Audi TT a BMW to talk about, a lot of racing going on. Uh, I'm going to be racing here in a couple weekends out of Bank Sunset Speedway, so we're going to gear up for that. But uh, we wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, F. Matt Peterson. He's very upset that he is uh, not uh, cashing in on fmat.com. And uh, I looked it up. Some guy actually owns fmat.com. And I is it to... me? I, it could be. I don't think it is. No, it's not, actually. No, you know, in fact, because we had a listener buy it. Uh, that's why, in fact, I know that's how it, I don't own it. Because it's in I, Spanish. Yeah, no, 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 because a, a guy, a listener heard us using the FMAT phrase, and he emailed us, like, I just bought FMAT in your face, boom, <laughs> you know, whoop, uh, and that was it, before we had a chance to buy it. So, well, I just don't want F Matt to die because I hear, you know, I actually make sure and look on the, uh, I make sure and go through the the, the streaming scraper and uh, go through and pick those out to play for him. And uh, is he still insisting that he ought to be getting some kind of royalty on well, the phrase F Matt? No, no, no. He's not. Ex- he doesn't think he should get royalties. It's just that I make sure, you know, because I am, I guess, what you would call the P1 listener of the Rick Emerson program. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that I go through and uh, I have a little scribble pad on my desk that I make sure that tell him, well, this week, Matt, you've been effed with a bushel of, you know. A, a it still happens, actually. It's, we, you know, we don't really actively push that these days, but it does. The old schoolers still do that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, this app, this F Matt brought to you by, if I remember, uh, Barfly Magazine even did one for a while. I think so. That is true. But uh, I just don't want to see that die. I do, only because I know it just basically, I do it because it just bugs the hell out of them. Yeah. That, that, that alone is worth doing something. Hey, while you're here, I don't know if you're much of a comic guy. We might as well do this list, though, because this guy keeps asking us. Well, I, I am a big comic guy. I love the characters, especially if you're going to be th- talking about Marvel comics. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I never, like, really delved off of that basic, I guess, palette of the of that group of characters, but I definitely am a big comic fan. I'm curious to see what the number one top penis name is. I have, you, I would guess what it is. Did you? Did you see that? Um, I won't. Uh, we we won't be any more specific than this. But Sarah uh, pulled my coattails to this, as they say. Is that what they? Is that how they? You know, that's riding coattails. What do you pull someone? Someone's thing. It's like when you bring their attention to something. That's late in the week. Um, apparently, there is a uh, is someone we know. Someone many people know is getting married. Uh, there's a celebrity marriage oh, coming yeah, up, yeah, yeah. and did you see that it's going to be a? Uh, it's yeah. going to be a geek superhero themed wedding. I saw that. Because that hasn't been done. 
Not especially <laughs> not last October. Anyway. Uh, so we have. I this... just still don't get it. I know we're not supposed to talk about it. Uh, but... No, it doesn't well, matter to me. I don't care. I mean, it was in, you know. Well, I haven't seen her in a really long time. No, I mean, you know, whatever. Well, I'm Say completely out of loop. Is this someone you guys know? But Maybe it was I know. A, we uh, might as well. I mean, we might as well. It was in the one, but Daria O'Neill is getting married, apparently, to some guy who plays for the Lumberjacks or Timbers? The, the Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. Yeah. Okay. So Daria is getting married well, to... congrats to her. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, salute, as they say. I don't... But uh, but they're doing, I guess it's like a, some superhero-themed uh, wedding, which is... I, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound snarky about it. I really don't. I'm just saying, if you went to Aaron Geek in the city's wedding, I just don't... I'm not trying to be jerky about it. I'm just saying, I don't see how that can be topped. Well, I mean, I they had... I mean, they had... They had, uh, you know, the Mandalorian bounty hunters... Uh, and a and a lightsaber honor guard, you know. I mean, at the wedding. I mean, really, how can you? I, I and a choreographed Daria. lightsaber dance at the reception. I met Daria. She's a nice gal. I don't know her, but I mean, I, you know, the thing is, I don't really see her as being geek enough to uh, to pull off a wedding like that. And if and if she's dating a professional athlete. By this is professional. Writing the athletes bell are really known for their comic book knowledge. Yeah, I'm just saying that I don't really see the. the I'm, I'm not sorry, there's that snarkiness the coming. I, it was curve. weird the way the Willamette Week um, worded it too. Did you see? It was like a gossip column. It's yeah, like I mean, is it local. known? Is it like a known thing? I mean, the Willamette reported it, but I mean, do we even know that it's really true? Well, I mean, it's in Willamette. Is that really? I'm weird? sure it's true. I mean, I think they would have published it and had it not been I guess. True. But you're right. It was all written like page six. It was. It was like, guess what celebrity couple's getting hitched this summer? It was very strange. It was very not what I'd expect a, like a local paper to write like. Very gossipy. All right. Well, in any event. Uh, so we have this now. This is from uh, Kevin. Kevin has assembled this. Rick, thought you'd like this. The top five Marvel comic characters to name your penis after. In honor of nothing particular. Rick. Do you have a name for your penis? No, I, no, I do not. Do guys really do that? I don't name my, I don't have a my penis. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like my buddy, like the old TV commercial? <laughs> my penis. My. Um, anyway, no, the only person, and I don't really don't want to have this whole conversation, but the only person I ever knew in real life who named his member was I won't even give his Trey name. Aunt. No, 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 no. Oh, no. And Trey would, Trey's one of those guys that would name it and then tell you it because he would think it was hilarious. And then talk about it in third person. Yeah. Would you like to meet Mr. Whiskers? <laughs> Trey is sort of the Ari Gold of the uh, of the Trey, Portland radio he world. He completely is. Yeah, he really oh, is. Oh, he's awesome. He really is the, uh, yeah, he is the Ari of, of Portland media. No, I actually, that's not who it was. No, it was a guy I went to high school, a guy named, I won't use his, even his first name, but a guy named Robin, he, uh, as I say, let me bleep that. I don't even want to use his first name. I don't want to, I don't because because it, it's just awkward. Even though I haven't seen him in like twenty years, but he named his uh, member. Uh, he named his member Joey. He he referred to it on, and he was dumb as a brick. This guy. Oh yeah. I liked him. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I liked him. He was sort of a friend of mine from kindergarten. One of those guys that was sort of grandfathered in because I'd known him my whole life. And so even as we aged and it became clear that he was stupid, you know, he was turning into an idiot as we got older. I'm like, wait a minute, you're growing into a dumb guy, but. You know, we kind of still hung around because we'd just known each other forever. But he unironically, straight-facedly would call his member Joey. And I mean, just dumb as a dumb as a box of hammers, that guy. Anyway, so no, I don't know guys who really who do that. It's like, oh, no, we're getting into a whole area I don't want to talk about now. Well, anyway. I mean, you, you call, I, I mean, you, women sometimes refer to their chest area as the girls. Yeah, that's true. No, that is true. You know, and, but uh, it's not. But you don't really say. But I mean, that's like saying a guy would say his unit. I guess that'd be an okay. Jennifer thing. Love Hewitt's uh, bosoms are named. They are. Do you know this? Left and right. No. 
Sarah? Jennifer and Love? No, Thelma and Louise. God, I hate her. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from Kevin. Top five Marvel Comics characters to name one's member after. Honorable mention? Are these, wait, wait, are these a good or bad? This is the top five. This is the top five. Best. Top okay. five Marvel comic characters to name your male member after. Honorable mention, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Number five, Bishop. Number four, Weapon X. <laughs> Number three, Colossus. <laughs> no. Number t the number two Marvel comic character to name your member after the unstoppable juggernaut <laughs> and number one Cyclops and now the bottom list he says the bottom five you know what's funny about that list though actually is the fact that you know what makes it funny to me is when you picture the character the actual Marvel character then it's, being like so sort of work <laughs> okay we have now the bottom five Marvel comic book characters to name your male member after bottom five honorable mention maggot <laughs> number five iron fist these are these are uh, the names of comic book characters. Would you like to meet Mr. Iron Fist? Number four, the immovable blob. <laughs> number four, uh, number three. This is so relatable, Rick Emerson. Number everybody, hey, look, half the audience, if not more, can relate to this. Uh, number three, number three. I'm actually not even going to say, even though it's the name of a comic book character. Uh, the first half of the word is our president. The second half is Wacker. Not even going to say that, even though it's the name of a comic book character. It just seems wrong. Number two, these are the worst Marvel characters to name one's member after. Number two, the in-betweener. And finally, the worst Marvel comic character to name one's penis after. Yes, the Punisher. All right, there you go. Uh, Dennis Pittenberger, miles around tomorrow, 9 to 11, immediately preceded by Car and Driver Radio. And then uh, right after that, uh, Tom Likas and the Tasting Room. Excellent. Thank you. Look at you, forward promoter. All well, right, thank you. Know, you. I do what I can. Back after this with Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. Rick, about comic superheroes, not penis-oriented. He's not a Marvel comic character. He's from D.C., but I thought you might like to know about Dog Welder, the best worst superhero ever. He fights crime by welding puppies to the faces of criminals. And is hilarious. Yes, thank you, sir. All right. Uh, what the hell are we doing here? I look over at Scotty, who just gives me the blankest look you could possibly imagine, and just shrugs, and then just goes back to staring at the floor. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome from FilmFeverRadio.com, ladies and gentlemen, our good friend Scott Daly, joining us now on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, my first day of not smoking. Wait, so hold on. So you're not smoking Look either. at you. I, I have officially quit today. Have you ever quit before? No. Really? Well, a little, you know, a little here and there, but, you know. This is a full-on attempt, though. I've got the old patch right here, every so often. And if you of... fail, are you and Scotty right. going to make out? Hell no. I'm just saying. My <laughs> wife will kill me if I fail. How's that? <laughs> okay, not if you make out with Scotty, though. <laughs> yeah, well, All right. Blah-da-da-blah-da-blah-da-blah. Uh, so, uh, you got the patch going? I do. How long have you been a smoker? Uh, you know, off and on for about 10 years. All right. And I mean, so nothing. I've never been a real heavy smoker. I mean, I'm not a pack-a-day type person. I'd go through a pack maybe every four days. Right. So, I've never been really heavy. So, it's still, it's the habit. That's the tough part. Well, it's okay. It's the habit. 
So well, good. We'll see. We'll see right. how it goes. What, Sarah? Can I send you something to print? Yes. I need, I need to print directions because I, I can't yes. go on I-5 North. That's going to suck. No, that's fine. Yeah, send it. My, oh, my other email. I'll print it out. I know. Thursday, well, you get out of town early. People got to yeah, send yesterday. Yeah, I'm right after the show, so. Yesterday was pretty bad. So. Might be all right. Uh, I don't even know what we're doing here. Yeah. Well, Scotty's in the room. That means well, we must be doing news. Hi, Scotty. Well, how's it going, Rick? Scott? Sarah? Scotty? People of the uh, United States listening to the Rick Emerson Show. The U.S. Americans? And now, Thank you. From Thanks the Ministry that. of Truth, this is Tim Riley. An Illinoisy woman is off the hook after Stop. Accu- Stop. Let's start over. Let's not talk about that woman anymore. An Illinoisy woman. Only Tim Riley can get away is with that, that a, kind of Is thing, that Scotty. a pun? Or was that just a mispronunciation? I think it was a punt for the T. Scotty? Here's, here's the story, right, right now, I'm wishing you into the corner on the chair with the hat I'm on your head. Forward my way onto a different story instead. <laughs> okay. Go a, ahead. A California man's in some pretty serious trouble for allegedly hitting a motorcycle rider and taking off with his body stuck through his uh, rear window. The press enterprise reports that the police say Tony Martinez of Paris, or Paris pulled into a or onto a highway in front of a motorcycle rider, Nicholas Campbell. The bike smacked into the back of the car and threw Campbell through the car's rear window. Uh. Now Martinez is accused of taking off from the scene, but he got home to find the body still in his window. See, How do you not notice that? Why do people I'm, do that? I'm Ooh, always amazed by that. With it. I didn't know he was in the window until I got home. I thought was... about going through the car wash because I couldn't see through my rear view mirror. Boy, I, just... I had a guy walk right in front of my car uh, the other night. Not It was uh, going up Powell at night. Not pitch black. I think it's just true. That's but very dark. Not in a crosswalk. Guy. I don't know if he was drunk or whatever. Dark clothing. Not in a crosswalk. Stepped right in front of my car. Oh. Was about forty-five miles an hour, and it was like a traffic safety film come to life. Makes your heart sink. I it? totally. And if I had not, and I drive. I think it's actually illegal to do this, but I drive. Uh, I have an automatic. I don't have a stick. I have a drive. I drive an automatic, but I drive with two feet. One on the gas. One on the one on the brake. Um, really? That's because I drove a stick shift for so long. It's, I drove a stick. Well, Scotty's giving me the look. As, <laughs> so I'm you giving you use your left today. foot which for your is brake all the time? Which, well, yeah, which is, which is oh, okay. safer. Which is a safer way to drive. I don't think it's safer because it's you can press the gas and the brake is used to it. It's, it's absolutely safer because you don't have to lift up. If you're going 60 miles an hour and you have to lift up your foot and move it over to the brake, fractions of a second count, in my I, opinion. I don't lift. I just pivot my heel. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I did, but I do that because I drove a stick shift for so long, and so you drive with two feet. Right. And so I just... Anyway, but the point is, if I had not... Notice if I'd been looking down in the glove box, at my phone, whatever, man, right, that would have been right in my windshield. This story reminds me of Creep Show. Thanks for the ride, lady. Remember? That's not Creep Show. That creep is show Creep Show. Too. Creep show Was it Creep Show 2? Creep Show 2. Oh, okay. All right, then. Yeah. No, Creep Show, the original is, um, I want my cake. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. totally. <laughs> or also, or it could all, Creep Show could also be, you can't kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was Creep Show, the first one. No. Yeah, no. I just bought season one of Tales from the Crypt, and uh, these two guys are playing poker, and they chop their, they bet their fingers and stuff like that. Poker? And, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I Where is it? To. Oh, I oh, missed I, it. I barely knew word. Oh, that was a good a listen, Can I tell you, a listener, here's it. I love our audience, you know I do. But and you know the listeners will sometimes send us stuff like fajitas or whatever they brought you yesterday, or like you know CDs or a listener will be like, hey, check out this band, or here's a movie I think you'll like, or here's something with Jim Rupin. It watch this. I had a listener. Sometimes we. I I don't know what it is though. I, you know what I attract is t-shirts. Listeners give me t-shirts all the time, and a guy sent me 
a T-shirt the other day that, God bless him, it's a great shirt, but I can never wear it. Because it just says in huge, it has like, it's a drawing of like a, like a handful of cards, like five cards. Yeah. Like a full house or something. Yeah. And then in huge letters it says. I've seen that. In, yeah, in huge letters it says, poker. I barely knew her. In big letters. You're right, you can never wear like, it. I can never. My wife, my wife's like, you are not wearing that out it of the house. It actually says that on the it shirt. It does. It, the poker on the front. Can I have it? And then, you know, the rest on the back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll give it to Raul. Do you want it? Oh, Raul would wear that in a heartbeat. Okay, yeah, I, I can't wear it. That's funny. I saw a terrible shirt in St. Helens. No, really? <laughs> Bros before hoes. No, yeah. I was. I drove through your fine city the other day to go to Rockfest. Yes. Boy, you know what? You know what the cottage industry in St. Helens is speeding. <laughs> yes. Every hundred yards, it's a different speed limit, yes, and not it because of construction. It's just if you. And again, there's one sign telling you. So if yeah. you are looking away, you want it's like 35, 20, 45, 30. Yeah. It, it, there's a the, different the, speed limit every hundred yards, and cops waiting everywhere. The worst. Well, the cops are out more around Rockfest time because oh, they're man, like everywhere. crazy. But uh, the worst part is when you're coming into Scapoose from. Heading westbound at 30 in the Scapoose because it's 55, and then it goes down to 45 like oh, that. And it's just, you've got to be yeah. careful. All right. Well, we, we, uh, one more yeah, news, we have one more final news Glad thing. I pulled all that news today. Yeah. Do you have the Rob Zombie story? I do. Would you rather hear that? Because I was going to read about a, a nanny who kind of pulled a Michael Jackson on some kids and uh, drugged them. But that's Jesus the whole story juice. right there. That sounds there. like a great pick-me-up. Let's do the yeah, Rob let's Zombie. End, let's definitely make sure to make that the last story. Let's end on a molestation <laughs> note. You know, and then play juice. Okay, I'm I'm looking for the Rob Zombie because I saw it here minutes ago. I'm stumbling. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Rob, where are you? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to need you to grab that Rob Zombie story. The pile labeled things <laughs> that Rick spent an hour putting together for you. This oh, yeah, here's the Rick pile. <laughs> Musician and director Rob Zombie re-imaging of the horror classic Halloween uh. opens in theaters today. In this departure from the previous films in the highly successful franchise, Zombie turns back the clock to uncover the making of a pathologically disturbed child named Michael Myers. Rob Zombie explains the approach he took with his version of Halloween. I looked at it as a drama. You know, like a human drama, because I didn't want the actors coming in thinking, oh, it's a horror movie, so we kind of give these sort of like off-the-cuff, B-level performances. You know, I wanted everyone to approach it like it was a serious movie. Well, Halloween stars Malcolm McDowell, uh, Tyler Mann, or Maine, and Sherry Moon. I don't like violence to be fun. Like, it really bugs me. When Are you reading the right lead-ins for these sound bites? And people sort of cheer and scream yeah, whatever. and yell, ooh, and it's like, it just seems so dumb. I grew up on movies where the violence I thought was shocking, and I was like, uh, like taxi driver violence. Like, that's violence to me. It should be horrible and shocking and make you rethink things. Hmm. You know, violence in films is interesting. Films in the 70s, I thought, were really... <laughs> I appreciate you stepping in and trying to cover the silence. It's like a vapor lock after that. Well, you said the wrong. You, you, I think we played the wrong clip, but it doesn't matter. All right, never mind. We'll, we'll be done with that. Thank so, you. yeah, Zombie uh, is making a movie. That's, that's the never whole, done. That's the whole Scotty thing. Scotty J, ladies and gentlemen.
Oh, I'll be back at four, five, six, seven, possibly eight and nine. Top of the hour all the way through like a Scotty J and for Tim Riley. Hi, Scott Daly. Hello. Hey, have you seen the new Halloween? No, they didn't screen it for press. I know. <laughs> a couple, I, I got a couple reviews here. Um, I won't say this, uh, who this is. Uh, this one says, uh, Rick, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween was great. I saw zombies last week. Uh, it's good, better than the other Halloweens. It's good to see in a movie theater, lots of stuff, uh, lots of uh, long shots similar to uh, Devil's Rejects. Better acting in this one, but he is still stiff with actors. It feels theatrical rather than film acting. I still like the original Mike Myers, but this is directed fairly well. Uh, let's see. Um, see, we had a... Uh, go ahead. We had I, another one I'm looking I for. I think a zombie is a lot like Abrams, where he's an idea man. And, and he's very creative, very innovative, and I really like what uh, House of a Thousand Corpses was on last night, so I was watching it. And just visually, it's a really, really good film. He's got such a sense of style. I never saw The Devil's Reject. I didn't either, no. Uh, I, I, but everybody says that's the one to see. Here's another one. The studio wouldn't allow any press screenings of Halloween, nor did they allow an audience screening. The 7 p.m. screening last night was the premiere. Never a good sign. Plus, they made Zombie reshoot the last 20 minutes. That is essentially reshooting the whole third act. The whole third act, yep. Said, I saw the work print... Um, and the film was simply ass. I know that Rob, simply, uh, Rob Zombie's trying to make his own Halloween. The film is just bad, though. The f- characters are typical Rob Zombie caricatures. You never once care about Michael Myers. It's a huge waste of talent and potential. Go find Hatchet instead. That's a modern slasher fic, uh, flick. Uh, P.S. You should see The Devil's Rejects. It's a gritty uh, crime film with horror elements. So. See, I think, and we talked about this on, our, on our, this week's episode of Film Fever Radio. We talked about Halloween a little bit because Aaron, Aaron has seen the working print of it. And uh, he was talking about how if Zombie had taken the Halloween concept and made it his own, you know, not remake Halloween, not try to retell the story of Mike Myers, it would have been a much better film. But Michael Myers is such an iconic character. You know, you can't go back and try it again and again. Essentially, all the Halloweens, what's it, eight of them, I think, not counting this one. Essentially, it's the same damn story over and over and over with different twists, different turns and stuff. You know, Leave it alone. Halloween is one of my favorite horror films. I love it. It scared me to death. still scares me to death. Hearing the music playing, the little piano right. bit, freaks me out like nothing else. Um, but you keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and then doing another remake. When I first heard Zombie was remaking this, I was like, you know, okay, I can see it that. But then, the, I mean, the, fir- the com- first act of the film was completely different than the first act of the first film. It's not a, it, it's a retelling, if you will. And, and I, don't, I don't care about the backstory of Mike Myers. The backstory, for me, ruins the mystique that is Mike Apparently, Myers. Apparently, that's the big complaint. The people who don't like it, that's the big complaint that they've had about the yeah. new Halloween, is that they spend all this time explaining how Mike Myers came to be evil, and I'm not giving anything away that hasn't been all over the Internet, but that, you know, it's like his family, there's all this molestation and sexual abuse and he's like found he chops up animals you know well, as a kid. really yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean big surprise i mean yeah it's just all of the standard blah 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 serial killer stuff but of course as somebody pointed out to me the great thing about michael myers is he's not and rob zombie keeps talking about him as a serial killer is that he's not a serial killer no he's not he's like a slasher movie villain which is a subtle distinction but an important one because if you remember that original halloween the idea is that he was a perfectly normal kid who then just one day, like a switch flipped, and just became evil for no reason. And there's this great, there's this great sequence in the original Halloween where Donald Pleasance is talking about trying 
I wish I had brought the clip of me, but where Pleasance is talking about dealing with Michael Myers, and he says, says, you know, I spent the first six years trying to reach him. I spent the next 11 years trying to keep him locked up, because I knew that behind those eyes was no conscience, no thought, no human being. It was simply evil. Very and good. the idea that there's just... That there is no... It's like they did the same thing with Hannibal Lecter. I was just going to say, Hannibal Lecter's a great example of ruining that franchise. Totally. And Lecter himself said to Clarice Starling in, I think, uh, Red Dragon or Silence of the Lambs, he says, you can't reduce me to a set of motivations or influences. Yeah. Uh, and when you try to deconstruct them and give a reason for it, it just makes them uninteresting. It, it, you lose interest, and he just... it, it, just, it the, the whole mysterious past of the character, what made him who he is... She, whatever, it, it, ruins, it ruins the character. Um, so I hate to say this. So I know we have another break to do. Um, really, it's very small. So I, 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 I know you have a top five, but I do want to make sure we get to your film review. So let's yeah. talk about the movie that you're reviewing, too, okay. and we'll try to cram in everything else uh, towards the end of the show. If we don't so get to my top five, that's fine. We can always do it the next time you're here. I spent all morning. That's okay. <laughs> that's fine. No, that's cool. That's cool. No well, if we don't get to it, the can't do something. You got your top five. Well, you let's let's talk about your, uh, your, your flick here. Yeah, the, the film I want to talk about today is called 310 to Yuma. Uh, it is a remake. Speaking of remakes, uh, the 1957 John Ford film with the same title. Uh, this film was directed by James Mangold, who uh, his one of his very first films was one of my favorite films of the last decade, Copland. Right, Copland, uh, yeah, the just a Stallone film. film. Yeah, yeah, Stallone's best performance is Rocky, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, and he also did last year, or two years ago, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic. Uh, 310 to Yuma is a western, and it's 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 a nice, it's a great. It's a great film, first of all. It's a great, refreshing reintroduction to the genre. Um, I think, can you name the last great Western besides Unforgiven, which was, what, 15 years ago? Well, years ago? I don't want to dredge up the whole Tombstone thing, but I know that the, a lot of people love Tombstone. I know you don't. Uh, there's Tombstone, which a lot of people love. There's Unforgiven. Um, oh, you know, and what is that, uh, The Proposition, which I haven't seen, but which I know Patrick, our friend Patrick, raves about that movie, The Proposition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, came out, I think, about a year and a half ago, which I have not seen. Yeah, no, so, I don't know yeah. Uh, But I think, I think 310 to Yuma, if marketed properly, is going to rein, reinvigorate the genre. Uh, coming up later this year, we've got a, a film, which I'm really excited about, with Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck, called The Assassination of Jesse James by right, the Coward Robert right, Ford. Right, right, which uh, people are really talking about. Which I'm really excited about. Uh, but uh, 310 to Yuma tells the story of a, ranch ha- of, a, of a rancher, Christian Bale, set in the late 1800s in South Dakota, um, who, who winds up in the wrong space at the wrong time, who ends up having to help transport Russell Crowe, who is Ben Wade, who is a, a Jesse James-type character who gets caught after uh, uh, robbing a stagecoach, a Pinkerton stagecoach, of all things. And um, it's, it's the story of the transport from this town in South Dakota to a bigger town to to put him on a train, the 310 to Yuma, to go to prison. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's a character-driven story, which is what I really like about it. To me, the great westerns are the character-driven stories, which is which is one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of Tombstone. Yeah, there's some character, but it's all about over-the-top Hollywood uh, action. Where 310 to Yuma definitely does have the action, it's got the intensity, but it's got the really, really great character development. The bonds between between Christian Bale's character and, and Russell Crowe's character, you got good and evil, but What's really going down on the surface, uh, underneath the surface of both of these characters, what really makes the film fascinating? What's what's their motive behind what they do? Um, it, Peter Fonda, isn't it? He, he, stay, he plays a bounty hunter hired by the Pinkertons right. to kind of help bring down Crow's character. Great job, great job. A really great cameo by Luke Wilson later on in the film. Um, watching 310 to Yuma, I really got a Sergio Leone feeling 
from this because the cinematographer really went back and I think he studied the old westerns because you can see a lot of the uh, a lot of the, 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 the intense dialogue scenes are really tight close ups on the faces of the characters. You really there's an intimate intimacy going on between you and the audience and the characters and you make it a part of it. But the action sequences are really intense and you're right in the middle of the action. You're not kind of a, a, a viewer from from the sidelines. And you're the Sergio right Leone stuff is like the gold standard. Oh, Everybody's trying to people have been trying to recreate that. It's, it's hard to do. Well, Christian Bale just makes he has the best uh, he has, makes the best film choices. He does. He I does. mean that He's guy is really guys. batting a thousand right and now. And who can really get into a role? I mean, you watch the film, you think, oh yeah, okay, I know that guy. But after a while, yeah, no, he's, he's a real, look at he's a, a visceral. Person. And I gotta say, Russell Crowe does a really, really good job. When 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 he is on, he's really on. Yeah. Other times, he's kind of phoning it in. But with Three Ten to Yuma, he's really performing, and it's 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 a great film. It's 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 one of the films I'm excited for for the year. Haven't seen. I almost want to say I haven't seen a better film all year. It's outstanding. All yeah. right, uh, we should take a break here. We'll come back and wrap it up. Uh, like us with Flash Friday, at three o'clock. Don and Mike at seven. Uh, we will return momentarily. It's five zero three seven three three. Three two nine seventy. Back after this, it's Rick Emerson Show. Say that. Metal lyrics thing. I'll do this final Queen's Rex City on Monday. Uh, so, Film Fever Radio? Yes, sir. Brand new episode up. Uh, probably, if not now, in a couple hours at least. Uh, we talked about 310 Yula. We talked about uh, the state of comic books. Aaron goes off on a Hulk rant. We have some film news about ah, Wizard of Oz possible reimaging. Oh, yeah, they're doing yeah. yet another Wizard of Oz sequel thing. Yeah, uh, McFarlane's involved. So yeah, well, he already does that sure. weird line of Oz toys. Yeah, but he's not doing that, though. Where Dorothy's that's, like a slut. That's not what it's going to be, though. Yeah. So, what? I don't know. Have you ever seen those? No. Those McFarlane? Yeah, they're I cool. forget what they're called. Um... I don't God, what the are line. they called? I forget the name of the toy line, but Todd McFarlane yeah. Toys makes these weird Oz toys. Dorothy's all slutted up. Yeah, t- yeah, Dorothy's all like with this weird low cut outfit on. It's all very strange. Yeah, but it, he, but yeah, but he, he says it's nothing like. Uh, it's not going to be along the lines of his toy line. It's going to be totally different. Interesting. But more of an adult story. So I don't know. It should be interesting. We have some news uh, on there, and uh, we also talk about three ten to Yuma, and all kind. Oh, and this weekend, oh, this weekend we are recording our Film Fever Radio commentary. Oh, Flash right. Gordon. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Universe. Finally out on DVD. We're going to do the commentary this weekend. Uh, Fat Boy from the Court of Fat Boy Sugar are going to be there. Uh, got Clyde joining us, and, and Rick is always I, invited. I, I, I'm not, and I, no, I, I just, I'm not much of a Flash Gordon. I understand. Fan. I understand. Sure, it's fine. You know, the last so. time I saw Flash Gordon, was, I was actually a Cub Scout. The last time I saw wow. Flash Gordon. You know what's funny is watching watching it again on DVD. It's such a vibrant, colorful film. Yeah. It's really neat to watch. But you could tell the people who mix the sound are big Queen fans. Oh, yeah. Whenever that soundtrack comes on, Bam! Just, boom! All I remember is Queen and so then great. Ming getting that thing through him at the end. Yeah. Knows the, the tip Ming of the spaceship. That's all I remember. <laughs> uh, 
And we're done. All right, let's see. Well, I'm going to spend my weekend watching Battlestar Galactica season and two. And eating pizza. And eating pizza. Oh, you know, and they also... Yeah, pizza rolls at home. Pizza. And go check out that place I was telling you about. Yes, I will. I will do that. Um, yeah, no, it's pizza, pizza rolls, and then they. I found out that Ruffles makes this new dip that's like a sour cream and chive. Oh, really? Had like half a jar of it last oh, night. That was my dinner last night. I'll bet oh, it's totally. great. I'll bet it's great with the sour cream and onion ruffles. Yeah, yeah. It's great with, it goes great with the ass groove on the couch. Uh, oh, that's so sad. All right, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Lisa Goddard, Steve Kastamon, Jim Roop, and Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Rick Emerson, show producer today, and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio News from Jim Riley, Scott, and JDBA Diggs, and the Gatekeeper. See you Monday. Have a safe weekend. Be back Monday. Bye now.